1: all
2: right oh, i forgot to breathe in there nice helmet josh where'd you get that from thank you
1: thank you here's my authentic viking helmet that i got in scandinavia when i was in the museum that's actually the
2: most authentic thing i think i've ever seen <laughs> Except for it's not authentic to wear my glasses underneath it. Why else would you wear the helmet to protect your glasses? <laughs> I mean, if you were going to wear a helmet, you better be able to see. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> What's up, everyone? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm the non-helmeted host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Okay, I'm going to take this off now. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't look that comfortable. Yeah, but it does look on. cool. Kind of cool. I actually, I don't know if it looks that cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. See,
1: I come. I collect masks from whenever we go on our travels, I collect oh. masks, but not all cultures have like a mask tradition. Uh-huh. So this is kind of the closest I could find. It's
2: kind of a mask, right? That's cool. You're like Sakashima of a thousand helmets. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is the second set review of 2021 and we are back on Kaldheim. Last time we reviewed all of the MDFCs, the gods that could be your commander. Uh, and this time we're going to review the rest of them because there are a ton of legendary creatures. So don't forget, check out the other episode if you want to see the rest of the set review.
1: Yeah. These are going to be all the commanders that can't flip over or that don't flip over. They have nothing on the backside. They're just regular magic cards. <laughs> and if you want to get your hands on any of these cards, oh, yeah. you can pre-order them right now at cardkingdom.com commandzone command zone. That's our affiliate link. They're our sponsors. We talk about them every single episode because... They give you the best service. They get mm-hmm. your stuff to you the fastest. It's in the best condition. If you want to get a booster box, a collector's booster, a set ooh, booster, ooh. whatever other kind of boosters they got, they have like 50 kinds now. You probably <laughs> want to get all of them. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go.
2: Yep. And of course, Ultra Pro, big sponsor of the show and someone that also goes in and makes the sickest play mats, the coolest wall scrolls, the sleeves, the dice, the everything, the deck box. If you want to make your just battlefield look really metal and Viking-esque, now is the time to do it. you don't need to build a whole ship or go to Scandinavia and buy helmet like josh you can do it from the comfort of your own home my battlefield currently looks the awesomest yeah it does actually and it's on our old playmat which yeah. was made by ultra pro so we trust them obviously to keep our stuff safe we've been using them for so many years now uh, if you want to support the show ultra pro also a sponsor
1: yeah full disclosure the uh, helmet was not made by ultra pro
2: no <laughs> that cool would protect your, your noggin
1: though yeah <laughs> all right and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone all kinds of cool perks one of which is you get to see extra turns which I believe when you're watching this just came out. Whoa. Uh, But if you were a patron, you would have seen it before everybody else. And then Game Nights, which I think hasn't come out yet, you will see it before everyone else. Yeah, so you, if you go join the patron right now, the Patreon right now, then you're going to get to see Game Nights before everybody else. So, uh, And there's other perks like talking to Jimmy and I on the Discord each mm-hmm, and every day. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash command zone is the way to uh, join that.
2: And we shout out one lucky patron okay. every single episode. We're, we're like on number like 250 at this point, I feel like. a lot. Of, we've shouted out a lot of patrons, and this episode is dedicated to...
1: Ooh. Josh Garza. Yeah, Josh you rock. Yeah, good good name, right? Yeah, very good name. <laughs> um, I w- we want to say something really quick here before we get into the main episode. Oh, yeah, right. So if you remember, we did the Game Nights auditions last year. Late last year, we accepted the audition submissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two different ways to submit. One is if you supported our Kickstarter, uh, and then the other was if you were a patron. And we received like a 1,000 audition submissions, wow. which is a lot, so that's why it's taken so long for us to go through. But we have gone through that process we're almost narrowed down to the winner at this point we haven't exactly picked but we have it narrowed down to like our top five and six and we're, we're making the promise that we're going to decide who the winners are and we're going to announce them on the next episode of the <gasps> podcast exciting that's our Time set review the in the 99 set review so make mm-hmm. sure if you uh submit an audition that you turn tune into that episode so you can find out if you're going to be the next fan guest on game night i'm tuning in I really hope my audition made it. We had a <laughs> We had a lot of really good submissions. This year was harder than ever for sure. I bet. There was yeah. probably like uh, there was a lot. Out of the thousand, I'd say there was twenty-five or thirty people we easily could be on the show. So everybody wow. Yeah, everybody did a really good job. Unfortunately we can't choose that many, so right, right. we just have to pick. Okay. But
2: if you're in that twenty five thirty, even if you audition at all, it's a tough thing to do. So we really do congratulate you and, and applaud you for just taking those steps. It's definitely a bit of a, you know, jump in the jump into the water and you don't even know what's gonna be there. So that's cool.
1: Jimmy, you don't know anything about auditioning, do you? Oh, it's
2: tough. So I, I really <laughs> do feel for everyone and great everybody, job, everyone.
1: Yeah, everybody did a great job. All right. So let's get into the Kaldheim more traditional commander review. We didn't know what to call this one. The best new
2: traditional commanders regular gods yeah regular commanders even though they're not regular because we got some spicy ones in here as well Yeah, i don't want to call them regular because yeah. a couple of these are definitely irregular yeah that's such a bad precedent <laughs> sorry you're the regular commanders <laughs> oh man um there notably there are two of the mini pre-cons the mini commander right. decks for kaldheim we won't be discussing those two new commanders here we're going to do budget upgrade videos like we always do for our commander decks and so we'll talk about them more and break it down there
1: yeah so yeah we're not gonna we just won't talk about them at all this uh, episode all right let's get into it we'll Got what are there like 21 of these to go? 21,
2: through? I believe, or 22. Some
1: yeah. are uncommon, so there'll probably be less to say about those. Let's start off with everybody's favorite white. Yay! So there's only one uh mono white, regular, traditional commander. <laughs> it's uh, Just give it some more adjectives. <laughs> Sigrid, god favored one white, white for a two two legendary creature human warrior. So three mana, two two has flash, mm-hmm. also has first strike. And protection from god creatures. Oh, very meta. When Sigrid enters the battlefield, exile up to one target attacking or blocking creature until Sigrid leaves the battlefield. Okay,
2: cool. What's the last part of the card? No, that's it. Oh, man. Okay, so this is similar to what White is very good at, which is exiling creatures. Um, cards like Fiend Hunter and Skyclave Apparition come to mind Skyclave Apparition is actually really similar because when it leaves the battlefield something happens with the card that was exiled in a way Um, this ultimately reads like a combat trick though right
1: yeah, and, and if it's in your command zone, that's not a very good combat trick, right? Because <laughs> no, it's not really a trick. Not, not at all. Yeah, you're not tricking anyone.
2: I think this is a strict upgrade to Hyksis Prison Warden, which is three white, white, flash human soldier that when it, when it whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, if Hyksis entered the battlefield, this turn exile that creature until Hyksis leaves the battlefield. This can at least get an attacking creature out of the way before it even touches you.
1: Right, you don't have to take the damage. Yeah. Also, it can be an attacking or blocking creature that somebody
2: else is involved right, in combat that right. you're not involved with at all. I could see that getting someone occasionally, but typically, if you have a high value creature on the battlefield, you're not putting that anywhere near combat. That's just risky. If
1: secret is in the command zone, so maybe this is a card that's just kind of better in the ninety-nine.
2: Yeah, for sure. Just it seems it's like it's more, more surprising, like, totally. right? Yeah, and first strike right in equipment deck seems pretty interesting, especially if you're attacking and you've got attack triggers like Wyallet or whatever. Uh-huh. So you want them to stay alive. Oh, they block with their big thing, but it it seems a little situational.
1: I don't like these, especially creature cards that when it leaves the thing comes back yeah because creatures are just easy to kill and they die a lot so it's a lot safer if it's on an enchantment because it's just more likely that's going to stick around right
2: yeah i mean a board wipe gets their creature back which doesn't seem great yeah maybe there's some shenanigans you can do where you like use eldrazi displacer so you can like get it back and flicker it a bunch of times but i'd say as a mono white commander you probably want to find some other colors to put before you put this card in the deck
1: yeah, I don't think this is this feels like it's first standard or something. Just aggressively costed. And flash first strike doesn't matter too much to us. Protection but, from god well, creatures. It flash. Yeah. It's definitely exactly. a standard uh yeah. It's like a standard plant.
2: Yeah. Okay. There's got to be a few I think in every set and this one seems to be very much in like the Kaldheim world too. Secret God favored. this seems like it's a essential character in the story maybe.
1: All right, let's move on to blue. Blue has two uh, monocolored commanders. Uh I also want to um apologize in advance that I'm probably going to pronounce a lot of these names wrong. I've been to Denmark, like I said, Iceland a couple of times, Sweden. I've learned, oh, I've learned that, yeah, <laughs> my Scandinavian languages are very, very hard because they look like English and then you, you like say them phonetically and they're like, no. no. And then they say it and you're like, and then they say the word and you're like, what? Was that the... Was it, wh- how did those letters <laughs> correspond to those sounds? That's just not how I was raised. So That's hilarious. I apologize to everybody because I'm going to mangle these. I, I'm going to try my best, but I, it's going to be bad. Um, so the next one is Inga Runize. It's three and a blue for a 3-3. Legendary creature, human wizard. When Inga enters the battlefield, you scry three. Oh, wow. So I can already tell it's good with elegath. Yep. When Inga Runize dies, you draw three cards if three or more creatures
2: died this turn. Oh, okay. So, this reads to a lot of people as board wipe protection. If you right. have Inga out, you pay four mana to get a cool scry three. Maybe you abuse it because you have Elegeth Crossroads Augur, and then someone wipes the board. Three creatures died, as did Inga and Bumi draw three cards. So, four mana draw three, but it's very conditional, right?
1: Right, because what if they cast Merciless Eviction or... Uh, oh. Or what's the one that puts everything on the bottom of your library? Or Cyclonic Rift, it doesn't do anything, right? So a lot of board wipes don't end up with creatures technically dying, right, even though right. it wipes. I mean, you know, it's good against toxic delusion stuff,
2: but... Um, interestingly, the if, where the word if appears in this text actually makes a big difference because there's something called an intervening if in magic. So if the card read, when Inga dies, if three or more creatures die, this turn, draw three cards, then you wouldn't be able to respond to it. However it goes, when Inga dies, can you actually read it again?
1: when Inga dies, comma, draw three cards if three or more creatures died this turn.
2: Right, so Inga's gonna die, you'll see the trigger on the stack, and then if you have, like, a sack outlet, you can sack creatures to sort of fulfill that, uh, what it needs, and then you'll draw three cards.
1: And that also makes it so that it will see the other creatures that die at the same time as it. Yep,
2: yep. Got it. Yeah. Um, I think this is a potential fit for a Marchesa, the Black Rose deck, because you're constantly sacrificing creatures, and that seems like... they all come back. They all come back, right, and then you'll draw more cards, Inga will come back, you'll scry again. Maybe
1: any kind of aristocrats deck that has blue in it would think about this then because oh, yeah. they're gonna be like okay sack 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 this last right some right. of them come back maybe this does too but even if not draw three cards is okay
2: yeah it's okay um kai Winds wins fury is the one that a lot of people noticed online because you're making all the spirits that you're sacking for mana oh. um but i think four mana is a little actually high yeah um especially because the second half it is so hard to fulfill
1: i mean if you want to just pay four mana to draw three cards you can do that it's not that hard especially in blue but a lot of colors can do that kind of thing so you have to be able to, like, abuse it, and it's a lot of hoops to jump through to be able to draw six cards off this thing, right?
2: Yeah, You have lot. to jump
1: through hoops just to draw three cards sometimes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then your three creatures down, which doesn't yeah. seem great either. Um, I was thinking if you maybe play this in an Animar deck, you cast it for one blue to scry three, that could be worth it, because then at the very least, you, you know, it just costs nothing.
1: Sure, but you're playing Animar. Yeah. Like, you get better than that. You could just play moldrifter <laughs> right just draw the cards yeah it's a good point all right let's go to the next one it is also mono blue a very cool one this is a mythic rare
2: yeah this one actually almost took up like half a page in terms of our notes on it.
1: we will probably discuss time. this one for roughly three to four times the amount we discuss most of these because there's <laughs> a lot going on here it's orvar the all form. Three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature shapeshifter. Oh. Has changeling, which means it's it's all creature types. Oh. It says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, create a token that's a copy of one of those permanents. Hmm. Permanents. You can copy lands. You can make land tokens. Blue so, ramp, here we come. Yep. It's crazy. I mean, all right. Sorry, I'm not done with the card yet. The second line of text or the second, the third line of text, whatever. When it, when a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard this card, create a token that's a copy of Target Permanent.
2: Whoa, that's any permanent now, not ones that you control. So if you
1: have this in your hand and they make you discard, you get to just a free Clever Impersonator. Wow. Right? which is pretty sweet. That's not going to come into effect that much when it's your commander. And I think we're going to see this as a commander a lot because you really need the deck to be built around it to put it in your deck. I have have a lot of instants and sorceries that target your own stuff, specifically lands, right? Because the ability to copy your land is ramp. If I cast a spell and it puts a land into play, even if it's a token copy of a land, Mm -hmm. you have now just ramped. And all you had to do was target one of your lands with an instant or sorcery to do that jimmy are there a lot of ways to target your own lands in blue? oh my
2: gosh there are ways to target everything in blue uh and uh specifically ways that are typically not played so this card opens up a whole just mansion of cards here so twiddle is sort of the main one it's a blue instant for just a blue and it's you can tap you may tap or untap target artifact creature or land so you could (laughs) tap cast this, untap it, make another land, you're up on mana, and you just... You just just gain two mana and put a land into play. That's better than Brandman Growth. For one blue, too. That's really, really crazy. Um, We'll just go down the list here. There's so many things here. I think Wim of Volrath, unfortunately not a cheap card anymore. How much is it? it's like in the 20s, 30s. Boy. It may be because of Orvar, maybe because it's just a very powerful card, actually. It's a blue instant, again, for one blue, but it has buyback for two. So you can pay an additional two as you cast the spell. If you do, you just buyback the card into your hand and as it resolves. So, this one just says change the text of target permanent by replacing all instances of one color word with another one, blah, blah, blah. So you can change, like, something that says non-red creature to non-green creature. Or if it says planeswalk, you can change it to swamp walk. You're rarely gonna do that because you can target a permanent with this and not actually have that part of the spell resolve. So for three mana you get a rebuybackable uh make a land, rampant growth yeah but just on on board rampant growth yeah is that a sorcery or an instant this one is an instant so that might be It's wise. an instant <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, if you have six mana open at the end of someone's turn you just actually you don't need six mana you need four mana because three cast oh it, my make it god because it gives you one mana back it actually only costs two
1: yeah so if you have five mana and you're just sitting there with a counterspell or whatever you get two more lands And then nothing happens that you want to counter or whatever. Then you're just like, boom, ramp twice. And then next turn, that means I can ramp three times or four times. And there are, there are a million other cards that also can target your lands it's not like that one. and some of them have buyback too
2: yeah clock spinning has buyback for three as an instant so it costs one more in the last one but this one is like choose a counter on target permanent or suspend a card you can remove a counter put another counter on again you don't need to have a counter because it says choose a counter on target permanent so that is the only thing that matters when you're casting these spells is you have a permanent that can be a target and then it goes oh there are no counters who cares mind games and it's an instant with buyback for two in the blue it's tap target artifact creature or a land magical hack is another one that changes changes the uh the 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 words on the The land yeah
1: you're like oh that swamp now says island
2: yeah but this one only costs one blue it's an instant doesn't have buyback um there's just so many cards here that do stuff aquatex will lets you put flood counters on the land for one blue again one in the blue glamour die does the same thing and this one has retrace so you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land card so if you draw land you just make another land Jeez, it goes on forever churning Eddie. early frost early frost is interesting it's one of the blue for an instant tap up the three target lands now this is one or more so you can't choose three of your own lands but do one of yours and two of theirs exactly your upkeep boom and then, remember
1: orvar says uh if it targets one or more other permanents you control create a token that's a copy of one of those permanents yep
2: so. it doesn't let you go nuts with that card fortunately
1: but still i mean you anything that's uh, multiple targets. If you're like, target three of your things, one of mine, you'll make the copy, but also do the bad thing to all their stuff.
2: Yep, yep, yep. And then there's cards like Political Trickery, which I didn't even know this card existed. Oh, these cards it's are really, really good because they
1: cantrip, right? Oh, no, this isn't No, a this isn't one. The
2: cantrip. These are actually, it's a two in the blue for a sorcery, exchange control of target land you control in oh, target right. land and opponent's controls. So you can give them an island and they can't use it and you take their best land and you copy the land that you were trying to trade to them. You're
1: like, I take your guy's cradle, give you an island, but I actually create a token that's a copy of my <laughs> island when I <laughs> so do that. So you get both. So I didn't lose anything and you, you lost your guy's cradle basically
2: yeah shifting borders does the same thing uh and then there's a bunch of that cantrip these are really good shimmering mirage uh turns a land into another basic land type but then you draw a card enervate does a similar thing to tap artifact creatures or lands and you draw a card too so again any permanent so you can copy a creature an artifact an enchantment if you can if you can do something with it um you wrote down leap which i thought was great because it's another cantrip but it it only targets creature flying until end of turn so you can swing with that and then you have a blocker yep yippee uh,
1: you can also combine any of the buyback stuff with like Baral Chief of Compliance S- Sapphire Medallion to just cut down on that mana cost.
2: Yeah, and um, then when you com- when you add that on to casting or copying cards that are like mana rocks, big mana rocks like Gilded Lotus, then you basically find ways if you have buyback cards to go infinite. You yeah, just make so, you know fifty Gilded Lotuses or whatever.
1: Yeah. So when we originally wrote this down, like that whole first paragraph is just how do you copy lands? Right. And then also you're gonna. Eventually, because that's the most exciting thing. Like, one mana Rampant Growth is crazy. Rampant Growth is already the most played card in the format. And this is a better version of it if Orovar's out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Twiddle just becomes way better than Rampant Growth. It costs, like, it untaps the land, so it costs zero mana. And so it's a
2: zero mana, put a land... Into, into play. play. Yeah. And deck thinning is not really a huge thing in Commander, so no. it doesn't even matter that on that behalf. Yeah.
1: So it'd be very easy to get excited about the lands, which we are... Oh, there's two more lands I want to talk about, speaking of which. Oh, yeah. There are lands that care about how many of those type of lands are in place. So there's Cloud Post and Glimmer Post, and they are Locust lands, and they... and. Uh, Cloud Post taps for the amount of mana equal to the amount of locusts that you have. Each in, locust on the battlefield, yeah. Uh, on the battlefield. So if you copy that like seven times, each of them... Wow, tap for like seven. Right. So if you have two of them, they each tap for two. And if you have three wow. of them they're each tap for three. So making copies of Cloud Post is insane. Yeah. But you don't have to just copy lands. Uh, Rachel Weeks, Game Night, Rachel Weeks, uh, who's also on the next episode of Game Night's, Um, and we're going to talk about her commander in a little bit here that she played on the episode. But she's been building the Ovar deck and talking about it on Twitter, and she mentioned how good Mirage Mirror is in this deck. Now, we know Mirage Mirror is a staple and good in every deck. Jimmy taught me
2: that. This is so good now that I realize what she's doing with it. But
1: being able to copy something with Mirage Mirror that your opponents control Mm -hmm. and then target it because over can only only cares about you targeting stuff you control oh wow Means now mirage mirror turns into the ability to make a token copy of anything anybody else has
2: yeah that's crazy yeah. artifact creatures or enchantments and and it stays that way right because it loses that until end of turn bit right Mirajmir your mirage mirror
1: will turn back but the token copy will just be the thing jeez forever yeah jeez louise um you were kind of talking about this jimmy but i think boomerang mm. effects are really really good in this deck so blue has a bunch of effects that are basically either return target not or Return target permanent to its owner's hand, or they have a bunch that are return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Most of these cost two mana, although Chain of Vapor costs one mana. doesn't target lands. Mm -hmm. But imagine you have Gilded Lotus out, and you tap it for three blue, and you target it with Boomerang, and you make a token copy of Gilded Lotus. And that Gilded Lotus goes back to your hand. Right. And you have one floating, and then you recast it with the Gilded Lotus that you just... Played, mm-hmm. and one mana and now it taps and you could make like it you're losing one mana every time but if you have like seven or eight mana you might be able to make like six gilded lotuses and then if you just untap the next turn you're probably going to win that game because you have so much mana like you could just take yeah. one turn where you just go I do
2: this five times and make five Gilded Lotuses. Uh, not to mention, yeah, if you have a dark Ori, you can do it at instant speed. Yep. If you have brawl out, then you will be getting mana because That's it true, makes the, the mana cost less. less yeah. Thrawn Dynamo
1: might be able to just do the same thing. Chromatic Ori actually will probably make you go infinite in that
2: case. Yeah, I think that one's actually a legendary artifact, so that might not work. Oh, that doesn't work. Oh, It's okay, though. Um,
1: <laughs> it's still so powerful. And then just other stuff you can copy. Amphimutineer was one of the things I thought of first because think of how good it is. Amphimutineer comes in, exiles something gives him a salamander and then you target it with boomerang make a token copy exile something else and now the amphimunir mun- moving is back in your hand which you can recast and exile something else
2: yep you also wrote down snapcaster mage and oh torrential God. gear hulk which are some of the best cards in the format to recur and replay over and over again
1: look at how this works with torrential gear hulk for for example you flash it in, targeting your boomerang. The boomerang targets the torrential gearhulk, makes a copy of torrential gearhulk, bounces the
2: original back to your you hand. Cast something that else. That copy
1: of torrential gearhulk copies something else in oh your. Oh my goodness! In yeah, exactly.
2: And guaranteed, you're going to have a lot of spells that are these types of like target things on your battlefield. So whittles and everything, right? There's got to be ways to go infinite with this deck, like 15 different ways. Um, you have kalemancer
1: and like, mnemonic yep. wall. They get the. Um, the, the instance of sorceries back to your hand, which could be better than Torrential Gear, Horcrow, or Snappy, because they exile the, the instance after you use them, which right. Archaeomancer and stuff doesn't. Mystic Sanctuary is a land that when it enters the battlefield, if you have enough islands, you can choose an instant or sorcery. No, it does it regardless Oh, well, you're right, you're right. Yeah, you have to have so three islands. You have
2: to have three islands enter the battlefield untapped, and then you put a target instant or sorcery from your graveyard on top of on top your, your library. Libraries. Yeah.
1: You just boom at instant speed. Oh, before, I'm going to make a copy of my Mystic Sanctuary. I'm going to put this on top of my library. That's a way to go infinite, maybe with extra turn spells. You know, if, yeah, if, you, if you don't, if you don't care if you have friends or not,
2: yeah, you have precognition field, which lets you play in blue, that lets you play cards, instant Sorcerers off the top of your library, which is probably just good in this deck anyway.
1: And that's a way to go infinite with Mystic Sanctuary, because if you can find a way to cast that top card for free, right, then now you can just copy Mystic Sanctuary over and over again and keep putting that thing back on your oh, library. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: A- another big thing too is all the MDFCs. It's a great way to bounce one that you played as a land, get it back to your hand, and you can cast it as a spell, but you still have the land left over.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you want to bounce those. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Uh, I also think things that target multiple things are really good. So Sublime Epiphany, Mystic Confluence. Think of how good Sublime Epiphany is, especially in a deck that has Archaeomancer and Mnemonic Wall that mm-hmm. you're making tokens of, because you're like, play Sublime Epiphany, counter your thing, Ooh. bounce this thing of mine, make a copy of this other thing, and then get, get it the Sublime Epiphany back because it's an Archaeomancer or a Mnemonic yeah. Wall. You know what I mean? And I know I'm sitting there...
2: You know, Torrential Gearhulk, this other thing, because that's what I made a copy of. That's crazy. Anytime you create something, like, this says create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, you get two copies. Because of And one of them called. bounces the spell you just cast back to your hand. <laughs> yeah, right. So you
1: didn't use a card at all, and you just created all this extra value. Uh, Mystic Confluence can do the same thing, bounce two of their creatures, mm-hmm. one of yours, end up with Mister Confluence back in your hand at the end of it, that kind of thing, you know, or counter their spell, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I think anything that targets multiple things like that...
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is so powerful. I, I like this with both of the Sakashimas as well, because oh these God. are cards that enter as copies of other stuff. So you can just, you know. You make copies of Orvar. Copies of other copies. Yeah, copy an Orvar. Oh my Imagine gosh, I, can I twiddle two? my land and get three lands or something.
1: Oh, Yeah. At that point, you just. Also, I can twiddle you. my Sakashima. <laughs> right. And now make an, a fourth copy of Orvar, a fifth copy of Orvar. No, actually, if I twiddle my Sakashima, I have four Orvars. If I twiddle again, I have eight Orvars. Cheese, Louise. Because Sakashima makes the legendary rule not count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, just
2: make a billion Orvars,
1: and then the next one. Yeah, it's like every twiddle I cast or boomerang I cast it just, makes ten lands, which means
2: like I mean, we see where this instant goes. Instant win at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, if you are going to play this in the 99, uh, Volrath the Shape Stealer, because we did talk about Whim of Volrath. This is a card that becomes a copy of another creature with a counter on it. And then it's accepted as a 7 5 and has the ability to become another copy. So it becomes a copy. You have Orvar out. You can copy that and it becomes something else. And then your original turns back. So a lot of shenanigans you could do here. It's kind of like yeah. Mirage Mirror. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. And then don't forget, you got enchantments, planeswalkers, all that good stuff. Um, there is a card called Psychic Corrosion. That's an enchantment. Whenever you draw a card to each opponent, That mills two cards. You have all these cantrips. You just make a bunch of psychic corrosions Just mill everyone out. Yeah, exciting.
1: Orvar is freaking sweet. You're gonna be able to do some crazy stuff. I think there's probably a very very powerful version of this deck too. Yeah, with you know a decent. There's gotta be a
2: competitive type version of this deck.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's quite cdh although it probably is because just mono blue in general can can get there because of Lab Maniac. And I I bet there's a way to like draw your whole deck and then uh, Thassa's Oracle. Sorry, not Lab Maniac. Right. And and win, but and you can
2: hold up every counter spell in the game pretty much.
1: Yeah. But it's also very sweet to just be able to make toka copies of your lands. I want to do that real bad.
2: I mean, I just can't believe that blue... I, I, I can't believe this card doesn't say non-land permanent. That just baffles yeah. my mind. Yeah. All right. And he is an... Oh, wait, one last thing. He's a changeling. So if you have a tribal deck, he, he can guaranteed go into any tribal deck that can play blue. Just saying. All right. Uh, on to black. It's Varagoth,
1: Bloodsky, Sire. There's no the. Two and a black for a 2-3 Demon Rogue
2: has Death Touch. Is this our first instance of Boast? I think so, because we talked about it uh, last set review, but we never actually saw an instance of it. Okay, so this card
1: has Boast. So Boast, you pay one in a black, and target player searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. I'm sorry, what? But you can (laughs) activate this ability only if a creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. So you can only Boast once per turn. But then, yeah, you choose someone to Vampiric Tutor, basically.
2: Yeah, pretty exciting, because you can obviously do this to yourself. It's it's a tutor on an attacking creature, it's got Death Touch, so it's going to be hard to block. This seems like a slam dunk in Timna the Weaver because you get oh, to yeah. attack with them, put the card on top, and then Timna lets you draw that card immediately that same turn. That's pretty sweet. Same thing with Marchesa the Black Rose. This is the kind of card that you want to be able to, you know, because people are going to block the heck out of this But you thing. don't care because it's going to come back. Yeah. Um, you can even use Reconnaissance on a card like this because mm-hmm. it, it will. you can literally attack and then immediately use it before any blockers or anything declared, so you can then take it out of combat with other means. Maze of Ith. Yep, you maze of it. Yeah, Yuriko the Tigris Shadow, I think, is really sweet with this because you get to commander ninjutsu Yuriko for this card, but you've boasted. So you put the highest CMC thing you want on top of your deck. Yuriko smacks them, flips it over, and does damage to everyone.
1: Oh, you stack it. So on attack, Yuriko. Oh, yeah, you do this first. Yeah, and then Yuriko, it's unblocked. And then boom, you know you put the oh, you put expropriate there or something. Yeah. Wow,
2: pretty exciting! That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Jeez. So, uh, oh Jeez. yeah. And if you have opposition agent out, and then you make some else theater <laughs> yeah. in their library, because it's any player, then you steal you can their best card. Steal their best card. Yeah.
1: It's a pretty good play just to get the best card, so there's not in their deck anymore. Especially if they're like some, you know, they've got like a
2: combo win or something. You yeah, can Just yeah, take yeah. out like the scary card. Oh, and extra combat steps, again, not a combo with this because you can only boast once a turn on yeah. each card. It's not obviously. once per attack. Or yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was thinking, this is actually pretty interesting politicking. Like, hey, just take a couple damage. I'll let you find your best thing because so and so is going out of control over here. Yeah,
1: you got a board wipe in your deck. Okay, I'll do this if you promise to get your board wipe. <laughs> yeah, it kind also of like... kind of blinks their next turn.
2: Right, yeah, because they have to do that. It's yeah. like a wish claw talisman type effect, but you don't have to necessarily give them the effect.
1: Uh, somebody said. Obnixilus the Unshackled, the one that deals a bunch of damage when you oh, search right, your Oh, right, you search, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's because you force them to search. And they also have to sack a creature, so they lose yeah. 10 life-sack creature, and then they search for something. problem is can... they're going to search for something to kill Obnixilus, probably. Yeah, probably, <laughs> Jeez, But if, like, there's a way for them to, you know, that, take 10 damage out of the network, that could be a big game, especially yeah. when we start with Or 4D. they could be dead. Yeah, there you go. All right,
1: that's cool. All right, moving on to Jimmy's favorite color. We're now in red. Woohoo! This can't be how you pronounce this card, but this is how I'm gonna say it. So it's Arnie, broken bro- Ar- Arnie. brow. <laughs> it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnie, broken brow, yeah. Brow, broken brow. Brow, there we go, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's Austrian. He's not uh, Scandinavian, right? No. I they're, think
2: think it's, it's a mountainous region. It's fairly close Someone to the Someone is going to get so, like, so pretty, upset yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me saying Austria is like Scandinavian. Said,
1: there's a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger references because we did do the whole du ice to see you for yeah. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> I mean, he was our governor,
2: so. Yeah, true. Someone's got to make that a an, a an altar at some point. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Arnie Broken Brow is two and a red for a 3-3 three, three human berserker has haste. And also has Boast, but for only one generic mana. Hmm. And it says, you may change Arnie's base power to one plus the greatest power among other creatures you control until end of turn. So if you have a 5-5 five, five out, you attack with Arnie and you pay one and he'll become six power. six A 6-3. Six, okay. That's it.
2: That's, that's all it does. Um, there's like a couple of things you can do. There's a card called Phyrexian Devourer, also not cheap because I'm guessing CEDH or something uses this. It's a six mana 1-1, one, one, and then when its power is seven or greater, you sacrifice it, but you can just freely exile the top card of your library to put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the exile con- cards converted mana cost. So you could just stack this up to like a 30-30, have Arnie change into it. You lose the Phyrexian Devourer, but then Arnie hits. But this is a six mana artifact, so I... I yeah, uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey... Good good job coming up with something you could do with it. Yeah. Um, I mean there's all those those red cards that kinda like come into play. They're big, they have haste, and they usually like you have to sacrifice them at the end of the turn. So there's like ball, lightning, oh yeah. Cosmic yeah, yeah. larva, that kind of stuff. So Yeah, maybe, you can
2: just hit people for a lot, I guess. Yeah,
1: so you just play it and it has a lot of power, so Arnie becomes big power. The problem is Arnie doesn't pump his own toughness, so they just block and then Arnie dies, right? They're like, yeah. Okay, well, that's scary, I'll block it.
2: Well, how about uh Grevin Predator Captain?
1: Oh, that's interesting. You so, pay the one and then you sack it and draw the cards.
2: Yeah, and then the creature that you didn't want to sack, that's like a seven five or a seven three for three mana or whatever. Maybe it sticks around for another turn. So you kind of I like, like that.
1: Actually in my Grevin deck, the sort of um the threshold that I judge cards by was could were they three mana? If they were three C M C they had to have at least five power. And okay. Arnie will have six because it will because Grevin has to be out,
2: right? Mm-hmm, and Grevin's mm-hmm. a five five, so oh yeah that's right so automatically even if you don't have anything else this gives you at least six on right which is card. good for three man yeah yeah well i guess four because you have to pay the one to boast it yeah that's a good point it does cost the one man and that is a thing that is a thing yeah um it all of you uh, uh barbarian warrior berserker fans lovisa cold eyes is the stereotypical three red red uh, legendary creature three three that gives them all plus two plus two and has haste so maybe arnie finds a spot in that very weak travel deck <laughs> Maybe, maybe it does. All right, let's move on to the
1: next Mono Red Commander, which is yeah. very cool. And Jimmy, this is the deck that uh, you're playing in the next Game Nights, right?
2: It is. I'm so excited about this card. Uh, it may be one of the most powerful Mono Red Commanders ever printed. Even Jimmy, back more to than... his
1: Mono Red roots for Game Nights here. Oh, this is... I need
2: to build another Mono Red deck. Uh?
1: <laughs> yeah, th- this deck is actually quite good, quite strong. It's got a lot of text on it. Here we go. Magda, Brazen Outlaw, one and a red, so two mana for a 2-1, dwarf berserker it says other dwarves you control get plus one plus zero okay whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped create a treasure token okay so magda is a dwarf so when she attacks you'll get a treasure token but any dwarf you attack with so you can make six treasure if you yeah. uh atta- or seven if you not attack just with the seven attack dwarves. And it becomes tapped yeah oh yeah that's true when it becomes tapped good point yeah also it says sacrifice five treasures Search your library for an Artifact or Dragon card, put that card onto the battlefield, Oh! then shuffle your library. And Magna can do this as many times as you have five treasure. So if you have 15 treasure, you can do this three times, and you can do it at instant speed.
2: Yeah, this is nuts. Um, any Artifact or Dragon. Artifact is the big one, as those typically are the most powerful sort of cards across every deck. Uh, and the fact that it is, a, it is not on attack, it's when they get tapped... Means that there's a lot of things you can do here. So the internet went a buzz. The the cards that everyone's talking about are Dwarven Blood Boiler, mm-hmm. which is a red 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 dwarf that just says tap and untap dwarf you control. Target creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. So you can just freely tap dwarves, including itself. You don't even have to care about the plus two plus zero part. It can be on end step before yep. your turn. Boom, yep, make yep. five treasures or whatever. Yeah. Chiron Negotiations, two red red for an enchantment, tap an untapped creature you control. This deals one damage to target player or planeswalker. This is just actually a pretty good card if you're doing any sort of token shenanigans, too. It's
1: pretty sweet because when it also says create a treasure, like that's amazing. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I actually like equipment in this deck because there's one called Leonin Bola. It's a one mana mm-hmm. artifact with a one equip cost. And it says equip creature has tap unattached Leonin Bola, tap target creature. So you pay one to tap this, uh, attach this to an, a dwarf. You tap it to unattach the Leon and Ebola, and then you can use it to tap another dwarf, and then you can tap it and you can equip it to something else. But that right there gets you two treasures just off of a, off of like one activation, which is pretty cool.
1: It's also pretty good
2: if you're like, uh, before combat, I tap down your big scary thing so it can't attack me. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> and it, just I get having, a treasure, and it only costs one to reequip, so that's pretty decent, um, all things considered. Vehicles seem pretty good in this deck too because every time something has an equi- uh, crew cost, you can tap any number of creatures you control total power x or more where x is the uh, the the crew cost yeah so, you can overcrew yeah you can overcrew you can stick every dwarf you want into a smuggler's copter or a mobile garrison when it attacks untap another target artifact or creature you control so then again oh, it has nice. a little bit of like shenanigans you can do around there because you can tap him to crew it,
1: get the treasure, and then untap one of the dwarves to get another treasure later.
2: Yeah. And especially if you have, like, current negotiations out, you know, uh, there's lots of things you can do here um, just to get extra extra value out of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then making a ton of treasure seems pretty good in this deck. Brass's is Bounty is a six and a red sorcery. For each land you control, you create a treasure token... Darkside Extortionist, which is just absurdly expensive now, does the same thing, obviously gets you a bunch of treasure. There's a new card, really exciting. We'll definitely talk about this in the set review, but it's called Goldspan Dragon. Yeah, this is cool. Three red red for a 4-4 flyer with haste. Whenever Goldspan Dragon attacks or becomes the target of a spell, you create a treasure token. And treasures you control have tap, sacrifices, artifact, add two mana of any one color. They create double! Yeah. It's pretty sweet. In this deck, I think you don't mind necessarily sacking the treasures just to ramp.
0: Early. No,
1: no, I think that's what you do early. And then later when you've got enough, they're kind of become the plan of like, all right, now if Magda's on, around on the end step before my turn, yeah. you better all be scared because think of s- some of the artifacts that can come out. Blightsteel, Colossus can come out, you know, mm-hmm. any dragon. Like those any are some dragon? of the scariest creatures in magic and they're coming out with virtual haste.
2: Yeah, and Michael Synth Lattice is the big one that everyone talks Uh-oh. about. Cause it's a six man artifact. All permanents are artifacts. And then all the cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells and permanents are colorless. So it allows you to get any card in your deck now. Yeah. Well yeah, they are all permanent artifacts and they're not all cards that are on the battlefield are colourless. So Oh, it, it doesn't turn them into artifacts
1: when yeah. they're not on your deck. Oh. but
2: this is just like one of those things where you put it out there, everyone kinda just like and you just have like a Vandal blast. You just wreck people's lives because <laughs> it turns their lands into artifacts too. Perforos, the blonde, the bronze-blooded, which is the ner- new
1: Perforos, seems pretty good because you're going to have a bunch of big dragons in the deck. So you yeah. don't want to have those stuck in your hands.
2: Yeah, and Perforos specifically also does artifacts or red creature yeah. cards, and not many people can put sneak attack into every deck, so that's a great replacement for it. I even thought Soul of New Phyrexia, one of my old favorite top artifact cards, would be great just because it's a 6-6 Trampler that you can pay 5 to give your permanence indestructible until end of turn. So you already have that. Usually with 5 Treasures, if you're in a really tough spot, you can do that to just give everything, you know, anti-board wipe protection, and you're going to need a little bit of that in this deck.
1: Yeah, it gives Magda the utility, not just, hey, I can bring out something scary. Also, I can do some tricky stuff like save my board from a board wipe.
2: Yeah. That's Phyrexian cool. Triniform is a huge artifact creature oh, yeah. too <laughs> uh, from Commander of Legends. And then Dragonwise... Uh, uh, null Spine Dragon, it's a great card to get out at instant speed because this is a 5 red red dragon, when it enters the battlefield you may discard your hand and draw cards equal to the damage dealt to target opponent this turn. So let's say you have a massive turn, everyone's attacking, you make a bunch of treasures, you do 10 damage to someone, you can fetch out this dragon, discard your hand, draw 10 cards.
1: Yeah, refill your hand. So now Magda has a way to draw your cards, which is pretty sweet.
2: Yep, Steel Hellkite is an artifact and a dragon at the same time. Um, and then if we're talking about dwarves, tons of dwarves. Seven Dwarves is a card that you can put seven of in your deck, and it's just two red for a two two, uh, one and a red for a two two dwarf. It gets plus one plus one for each other creature named Seven Dwarves you control. Um, that's if you're just trying to fill dwarven space, I guess.
1: Well, and also the fact that they can get bigger, like two three threes, is actually pretty good because you want to be able to,
2: like. And they become four throughs with Magda out too.
1: Yeah, and you want to and be able to attack to because that's going to be the main way you're going to be able to get tapped. Hopefully, you have this, you know, an equipment or something. But if you don't have that out, yeah, you're going to. But need early to in the back. game, they're two drops. Mm-hmm. You're usually going to be able to attack.
2: Yeah, uh, Dwarven Recruiter mm-hmm. is like Goblin Recruiter, but for dwarves. So there's a lot of fun stuff to do here. I think this deck definitely has the potential to like very early, very quickly, just get five treasures out go nuts, and then blammo, like, you can fetch out something crazy on, like, turn three or four, depending on how fast you ramp this out. And again, like like Josh said, they have ritual haste, because if you look at Magda, it says you can bring it out at instant speed. Very hard to interact with.
1: Yeah, pretty sweet. Pretty cool deck. I yeah. like Magda
2: quite a bit. Yeah, I do too.
1: It, it covers one of Red's deficiencies, which, of course, makes, is why the deck is so good, because all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about the ramp as much. That's covered.
2: In a lot of ways, you might even be able just to play Magda as a creature in any mono red deck because if you swing with it once, you get a treasure. True.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but you probably want some other dwarves. Yeah, you want some other dwarves to really get uh, get crazy with it.
2: And then I I like it too because you can play it pretty casually. You can go more competitive with it. You can just be like, "Big dragons only." Just go (laughs) that route too, you know. It, It it scratches the Timmy itch. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's go on to green here.
1: Everyone was very excited. Excited. Yeah, everyone. People, yeah. Some people were excited uh, about the return here of Vornkleks. <laughs> Craig was excited. Monstrous Raider. Craig was excited, and I'm going to hold it up because there is uh, a Phyrexian version oh With the Vorn-Clex, Phyrexian text. With the Phyrexian oh, so cool. writing
2: on it. They yeah. only did that with Elish Norm before, and that's one of my favorite-looking cards. Yeah, you know, so that's pretty
1: sweet. I have no idea how hard it's going to be to get a hold of these. Um, we just happened to get one in the booster packs we opened for oh, game nice. nights. So I wanted to brag about that a little. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just to Craig, really? Bo- going to edit uh, this. You're
2: boasting, dude. Yeah,
1: yeah. Come on. I boasting. Yeah, I can only yeah, do it there once. You go. Yeah, but it's because <laughs> Craig's editing this, so I just want to be like, ah, check it out. Uh, okay. Vorinclex four. Sorry, Vorinclex, monstrous raider. Four green green. So six mana for a six six Phyrexian Praetor has trample and haste. It says if you would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, put twice that many of each of those kinds of counters on that permanent or player instead. Very familiar. Yeah, that's huge. And I bet you can guess the next part. Then, if you would put, if oh, sorry, it's not the um. All right, it's not the tokens thing though. It doesn't do the other part of doubling season, right? Yeah, I bet you can't get the next. Yeah, yeah. The next part. It says if an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, they put half that many of each of those kinds of counters on that permanent or player instead, rounded down. So, this wow. does what Vorinclex used to do. It's sort of in the same theme, right? The old right. Vorinclex is like, your lands tap for double, their lands don't. tap for half, kind yeah, of, because they, they don't attack. they stay yeah. Untap, yeah, this is like, you get double counters on everything, and everybody else gets half counters on oh, everything. It's okay. kind of like, uh, what is it,
2: Gisela for counters. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. This is interesting. This is doubling season, basically, but for one mana more. Uh, more importantly, like... It, it is. It's a hate bear against other counter decks. Your double just turns off their doubling season. It turns off a lot of things. It turns off an infect deck almost entirely. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that's and why I, think, I was saying haha to Craig.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's gonna get his revenge. Two cards down with the better mana green card. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I think having a redundant version of doubling season in any deck that wants it seems yep. pretty good. It doesn't do the token doubling. It only does
1: the. Um... The, the interaction with Planeswalkers on. is what we're yeah. kind of talking about, really, right? That's the other big thing that Doubling Season does is it makes the Planeswalkers come in with double uh, loyalty, and yeah. and this Vorinclex
2: does do that. If you're playing it with blue, it just goes infinite with Jace Cunning Castaway because Jace comes in with three and then doubles up to six, and then his minus five is create two tokens that are a copy of Jace Cunning Castaway except they're not legendary. Those tokens come in at three loyalty or six, six and then blah, blah. so you just make infinite Jaces. Blah. I mean,
1: any Planeswalker that does stuff with Doubling Season will do stuff with Vorinclex. Yeah, yeah. The do the same thing basically yeah
2: yeah it seems kind of fun if you play it with phylath because that is just adding tons of plus one plus one counters on target plants um and then uh i was thinking it, this kind of is bad sometimes because if your opponent has a combo has a Lender archmage they get it back and the persist counter doesn't come on it because it, it rounds it down so you just it just comes back and it's will instant persist forever so like the kitchen finks combo if they have a sack outlet Whoa. they can just infinitely gain life the moment you play this foreign collects wow so if they
1: have a sack outlet with like murder's red cap all of a sudden you can't yeah oh i didn't even think of that yeah cuz it, it's with rounded kitchen finks. down yeah. if it said rounded
2: up then it would always get at one it would still be the same but this if it only putting one counter on it rounds it down to zero <laughs>
1: Oh, it's really bad against Glendalendro, Murderous Red Cap, Kitchen Finks. Yeah. Oh, and those cards see a lot of play. I didn't even mm-hmm. think of that. That's, that makes this card significantly worse.
2: Yeah, I think you're the, you're. the if you play this card, you want to do it and then try and win very quickly or hope that your meta doesn't have that sort of effect. That's interesting. Um, also, if they have a Saga, it is not going to happen because it tries to place a lore counter. That lore counter will never hit the Saga, so you just turn their Sagas off. Oh, so that's Vorenklex really interesting. So, that, that is another, yeah. So, it's like, it's weird. It It's good. It's bad. It's great. It's awful. It's a lot of things. It's Vorenkleks.
1: <laughs> it's good. It's bad. It's great. It's awful. It's
2: Vorenkleks. It's Vorenkleks. Yeah, we just made the commercial for it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, the next mono green, there are three mono green commanders. If you remember, um, mono green oh, had right. less of the MDFC commander. Yeah, they only had
2: one, I think. So yeah, I mean, so they, they got, got an extra career, yeah. traditional
1: commander here. Um, so, the next one is. Toski, Toski, Bearer of Secrets. Tosky. This this is Rachel Weeks, uh, commander that she plays on the next episode of Game Nights. She, she pronounces it Toski, so I think so. so Toski sounds cuter too, and it's pretty cute. So that's how I'm going to say it. Toski, Bearer of Secrets. Three and a green for a 1-1. Legendary creature, squirrel. Woo! Legendary cool. squirrel, yep. This spell can't be countered. Hmm. Well, four mana 1-1. I don't know why I'd want to counter it. <laughs> it has Indestructible. Oh, that's a reason. Getting better. Toski attacks each combat if able. Has to attack. Has indestructible, so it's not gonna die, but you can't okay. just hold it back on defense. Now we're like
2: now we're back into the one.
1: Why is there it. another downside? It's a four-minute one-one. <laughs> <1-1. laughs> yeah, I'm like, don't want to counter it. Maybe I'll counter it. I don't even want to counter it. It can't be countered anyway. All right. Well, the last ability is pretty good. It says when whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, Draw a card.
2: Yay! So this is cool because Edric, Spymaster of Tress, which is similar to this, has any creature dealing combat damage to one of your opponents' it's control controller may draw a card. This is one-sided, so that's a lot better in, in the decks that want to go wide and draw a ton off of a commander like this. Right, your opponents cannot draw cards off of toski yeah um now toski is fits great in a bunch of 99s as well if you're playing any of the mutate decks toski is not a human it is definitely a creature right. so aluna and Otremi are both cards that, that want to have an indestructible card to mutate onto because that way you're not gonna as easily lose it yep Which makes a lot of sense um and then you're sort of like back onto the volrath the shape stealer plan because you can like copy whatever you suit this thing onto right like you can like you you like mutate some crazy thing? Vorath is out or whatever. You copy that, and I don't know. It it seems interesting.
1: Yeah, it feels like you want to go wide. You want to make a lot of squirrels or a lot of tokens of one ki- of any kind, really. Because whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you draw mm-hmm. a card. So it doesn't matter how. Hard each creature is hitting for individually. It really matters how many creatures are connecting with your opponents. That's how many cards you'll draw. Right. So, so it feels like it wants to push you in that direction of go wide.
2: Yeah. If you play Druid's Call, it's an enchantment. Whenever an enchanted creature is dealt damage, its controller creates that many 1 1 green squirrel creature tokens. So now they can't even block him. Otherwise, you make more things that draw more cards or block her or I don't even know what Toski is. Um, and then there's Oran Frost Fang, gives your creatures death touch. And it's very similar whenever a creature you control deals combat damage do a player, you draw a card. So.
1: Yeah, I think you probably want to put some things in the deck that give Toski Vigilance. Ah, uh, okay. Because it is a great blocker, because it's indestructible. Rachel yeah. likes to say it's indestructible, Squirrel. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you want it to be back to block, too, but it has to attack each combat fable, so, you know, you're not, you, if it doesn't have Vigilance, you can't hold it back.
2: Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. I think this is... You know. could be a really fun, squirrel-ish deck, you know, and mm-hmm. having Indestructible on in the commander is a great way to, and not, like, this almost feels like it's a card for someone that's just getting into the game, can't be countered, so there's no feel-bads there. Indestructible is going to dodge a lot of removal and just is going to smack people for a lot and draw you cards.
1: Yeah, so you can really build around it without worrying that it's going to go away and your whole deck's going to be turned off. And at the same time, it doesn't feel like an effect that's so crazy powerful that yeah. it's like, you know, broken. So, yeah, I kind of like where Toski sits. Which is in a a tree. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I was kind of like, where's the pun?
1: (laughs) It's coming. All right. The third mono green commander is Finn the Fangbearer. It's one and a green for a 1-3 human warrior. This one's uncommon. 1-3 has death touch. So two mana, 1-3 with death touch. And says whenever a creature you control with death touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. Oh. So it turns all of your death touchers into infect kind of it's not the same as infect right so infect works however much damage they deal that's how many poison counters your opponent gets this is your opponent gets two poison counters if they're dealt combat damage it doesn't matter if one of your death touches is seven seven
2: yeah and it's only two so that's not great i mean like at first i was like this is craig's card but it's not as good as it looks for that sort of infect prototype on the surface um, non-combat things that you're doing don't really care like it's combat damage only and it requires the, de- the creature to have death touch that's the other big thing
1: at least it doesn't take away their normal combat damage which i kind of like yeah yeah yeah. so it's kind of added but yeah how many death touch creatures does your deck have to have or normally create to make this good it's a lot right because yeah just it's giving, almost all of them right yeah just giving four poison counters to somebody is not that great It only is good if you can regularly hit them with five five times with the Death Touch creature, and that's a lot.
2: Yeah, so I think you're actually putting this in the 99. So people have been trying to build Death Touch decks with Glissa the Traitor or Chevel being the monsters. Actually, Hapatra, a deck you built, might be the perfect place for this to sit.
1: Yeah, I actually, when I saw this card, I still thinking about whether i would
2: put it in hapatra or not it's right on the edge yeah so when hapatra it's a a black green 2-2 when it deals combat damage to a player you may put a minus one minus one counter on target creature and then whenever you put one or more minus one minus one counters on a creature you create a one one green snake creature token with death touch so maybe it's like an alternate win condition then you have 20 snakes but you can't kill them with it but now with this card out boom you swing with everything everyone gets two poison counters per snake that hits seems like that's a way to kill someone
1: it seems like it, but I've played that deck a lot. I, yeah. I've had it for a long time. Uh, it's one of the decks from an early episode of Game Nights. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, in most games, I don't swing with a lot of snakes more than once. Oh. Right? You either swing with a lot of snakes and you create off, beef Beastmaster ascension, Triumph for the hordes, whatever it is, and win. But you very rarely are like, hit you with four snakes, yeah. hit you with three snakes, next turn hit you with three more. and you've And if you ever have, like, Eight or nine snakes, and you're swinging, you're winning that turn because you have Beastmaster Ascension or something else. So does this so I guess w- this is just, like,
2: kind of redundancy, but it's not even as good as Beastmaster in the That's the cases. question. Would
1: it replace Beastmaster or for one of those? And mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as one of those because there are times when, like, it's not going to punch you through the damage and win where those cards would. And I don't think there are any points where this would punch through where those cards wouldn't. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah.
2: I mean, it's tough to make this card work. You want it, like, the Death Touch dot deck isn't as f- fleshed out as the, Men- the Menace Manache deck. Yeah. You've got Hooded Blightfang, which is in black, and it's whenever a creature you control Death Touch attacks each opponent loses one life you gain a life um so it's like got a lot of help in small places around frass that we talked about earlier i think you really just want to put this in a regular deck that's got big creatures that have death touch already and then maybe you give them trample with nylea god of the hunt or you put a fire shrieker on them and it's going to give them four counters uh poison counters because it's going to hit them twice yeah so this looks a lot more impressive i think and it's a lot scarier than it actually is i think
1: they've been sort of going in the direction of this keyword tribal with menace, death touch, trample some of flying. flying even yeah. Flying's more there than the rest. I don't think death touch is there, but this card maybe gets better as the years progress because they tend to give us a few little pieces for this it looks like like every yep. you know every set's getting like one or two or something. So maybe in like 2 years We hit critical mass and that deck is a thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. We are through all the monocolored traditional regular commanders, but we still have all the multicolored ones to go. And there are a lot of them, as you can see in my hand here. So, Yeah, but before we go through all those, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, That's a n g i.com. Tomorrow, only on Disney Plus.
2: My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? it! Taylor
1: Swift, the Eras Tour. Taylor's version.
2: Price of participation may vary, cannot be combined
0: with any other offer. Ba da ba ba ba.
2: All right, we are back reviewing all of the non god MDFC, non MDFC <laughs> legendary creatures from Caldheim that can be your commander and also might end up in your 99, but mostly we're talking about from the perspective of being as your commander. We don't know how to uh, designate them. Yeah, is that too long? They're the of ones the that you can flip you think? over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that, the whole thumbnail is just text. <laughs> Even the, yeah. <laughs> oh boy we've been doing this too long all right what's next up josh right, these are we, all multicolored. Boxes. yeah we're going through the multicolored ones
1: we're going to go through them in alphabetical order so the first one is agar the freezing flame i have the cool uh showcase frame foil oh, for and this one foil? yeah oh! look at that the showcase frames on this set are really sweet are you jealous yet craig <laughs> all right it is uh one blue red so three mana total for a three three legendary giant wizard this is an uncommon as well says, whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess damage, if a giant, wizard, or spell you controlled dealt damage to it this turn, draw a card. Oh. There's a lot to unpack there. Excess damage is damage over the amount of toughness they have. So, so first of all, anytime a creature your opponent's control is dealt more damage than toughness they have, then you're going to ask was that creature dealt damage by a giant wizard or spell you controlled
2: this turn right any of the giant comma wizard comma spell the spell is the big one because that seems like what's going to be doing the most damage here
1: and it can the damage they're taking that's got excess damage can be from a giant wizard or spell it can be like this the yes you go they're taking seven damage they have four toughness that's three excess damage and you go did they take damage from a giant wizard spell? And you go, yeah, the yes. thing that's hitting them is a giant. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then it, it qualifies, and you will draw a card. Yeah, one card. three for the, th- yeah, you just draw one card per creature. Right. But it could also be like, you attack with a 2-2 two, two giant. There aren't any 2-2 two, two giants. You attack <laughs> with a 4-4 giant. They attack with, they block with a 1-6. hmm Right? That's no excess damage. But then that thing has taken four, four damage. damage. It's got four damage marked on it, and you go lightning bolt. Ooh. There's one excess damage there. And it's taking damage from a giant. Well, that is a spell, too. Draw a card. So, a little confusing. Uh, hopefully, that makes sense. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure there are a lot of wizards out there. Pingers, as well, might be a way to, you know... I, I guess, like, could you ping something that's already received lethal damage if you do it in reaction? And that's excess damage? No, like, it's
1: already dead. I think it would have to be indestructible, but that's still... I don't know exactly how that works. That's a really good question. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have to ask a judge on that. Anyway, in, yeah. You called this splash damage when we talked
2: about it mm-hmm. or uh it's basically trample but for direct damage spells or effects or creatures or whatever it what have you.
1: Kinda, yeah. It doesn't actually trample over, but you just get an additional effect here, which is right. draw a card. So all the same cards that we talked about for what was that? Taroth? Taroth. Yeah. Yeah. Still work. So Blasphemous Act, Chain Reaction, Chandra's Ignition, Starve Extinction, Earthquake. There's a ton of them in red that deal a lot of damage to each creature. And if Agar's out when you do that, then all the creatures that you're dealing excess damage to Blasphemous Act will probably do all the creatures. You'll draw a card for each of them. What if Agar dies? only, Only the ones your opponents control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agar will still see him if he's dying at the time when all the damage was dealt, uh... Yeah, you will want to protect
2: Agar, though. Yeah, I like what you wrote here for this. Yeah,
1: the great thing is that red is going to be the way you're probably dealing excess damage. Mm -hmm. And so you can give Agar protection from red with, like, Sword of Fire and Ice, or you could give him Indestructible or something. Right. So that he doesn't die from these chain reaction, Blasphemous Act effects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then if you just, you know, have a bunch of ways to protect Agar and a bunch of ways to do the Blasphemous Act thing, then you're going to draw a lot of cards.
2: Yeah, and obviously you do want to play this with Torolf, uh, mm. which is a trample, th- two red-red, whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage, so this ties into this, uh, then Torolf deals damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent. So it's kind of like a combo here, you want to have Torolf in the Agar deck, but the Agar deck could also be like Giant Tribal or just Spells Tribal, I think it's probably where you want to go.
1: Yeah, and Toralf, notably, is not a giant or wizard. Right. So he'll still work, though, if the spell already hit that creature that turn and he's sort of dealing the rest of the damage to it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like,
1: because Agar's worded in that weird way where, you know, when the excess damage is dealt, you ask the question, has right. that creature taken damage from a giant wizard or spell? And then you react, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Niv-Mizzet, Perun or Firemind can both be good.
2: Perun uh, is a wizard. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, and when you draw a card that deals one damage to any target, whenever so, a player casts an instant or spe- sorcerer, you also draw a card.
1: Yeah, so here's that same question you asked Jimmy, and I don't actually know the answer to it, because if you gave one of their creatures indestructible, could you go infinite with Niv-Mizzet-Perun by, like, Just dealing thing. the one damage? Is If it should have died already this turn, like it said, got four toughness but five damage marked on it, does the one damage you're doing to it count as excess damage? I
2: would think so, because lethal damage is... It's not whether or not it will die. It's whether, I think it's based on its toughness. Look at us not knowing the answer. This one's tough. I mean, yeah, I think our
1: rules and knowledge has gotten way better over the years. But we still obviously don't know everything. That's probably something we need to ask a judge. Or, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. know in the comments or something of this video, please put it in there. But it's an interesting question to ask. So I'm not sure if that works, but um, maybe That's it is. Kind of cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you just want to be able to do as much damage as possible then to make sure you're always splashing over. So Torbran is a mm. thing of Redfell. Fire emancipation, emancipation, dictate of the twin gods. These are all damage doublers and triplers. Yeah, and that would make Niv Mizzet prune work for sure. Yeah, for sure, because then you're de- like it does three damage every yeah. ping. Wow, Torbrand with Niv Mizzet is insane. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> then you draw the card and it goes, oh yeah, three damage that. Yeah, now. three damage that. Kill <laughs> the
2: whole thing. Draw a bunch of cards. I win. <laughs> uh, not yet. Uh, I, it's just good with burn in
1: general though, right? Like lightning bolt and fireball just seem real good with this.
2: Yeah. The kind of cantrip is the big thing and you get So it's a removal spell that gets you a drawback into your hand. And that's really the big thing about those cards. Cause we're always
1: saying, well, lightning bolt is really efficient, but is it worth a card?
2: Yeah. Well, if it says draw a card on it for
1: still the one mana, it's, it's like really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you don't—you could even cycle it and get rid of like a pesky tutu that maybe isn't the top priority, and that's sort of why damage spells like lightning bolt aren't that great either, is because you can't get rid of sometimes they're like eight eight or whatever. But it's great if it draws you a card with the agar out, and then you can just sort of knock things apart. I tell you what, I've been playing lightning
1: bolt a lot in red decks recently, just because oh. they've come out with so many commanders that you can just take out with them,
2: like the Telvalas of the world, and yeah, things like that, yeah. Where yeah, you're yeah. just like three is a good
1: number. One mana kill a commander, timnas and things like that is just like. It's worth it. You know, Thrasioses and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally worth
2: it. I like this line you put here, which is similar to Roth. Do you want to be giving creatures to your opponents so that you can use them for splash damage?
1: Right. That's a question, right? In off we said, oh, hey, Varchild or Forbidden Orchard, Hunted Dragon, Varchild's War Riders is an interesting one because it has cumulative upkeep of give your opponents
2: yeah. <laughs> tokens.
1: <laughs> so is that another strategy here that this deck wants? Because you could run into a situation where you have Blasphemous Act, but there's only three creatures out and that's not that great, yeah. uh, you know? And so if you were spending the early parts of the game giving everybody creatures, that Blasphemous Act looks a lot better because now it draws you 10.
2: Yeah, and you can do like Forbidden Orchard to just give a bunch of people stuff. The Hunted series as well. That's actually pretty interesting. I I think that's kind of maybe where you want to go with this. Could be a fun way to go. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, interesting card. I
1: think it... it it incentivizes some interesting builds, and just the fact that maybe makes a burn deck a little more possible. I like.
2: Yeah, and you can play an alliance's card in this deck with uh, <laughs> that uh Bart Bart Child Warri- war riders. Yeah. yeah,
1: give me a little upkeep. Woohoo! All right, the next one is oh man, Furia. Sure, Judge of Valor. It's gonna judge you if you're wrong, though. It totally judged me <laughs> and found me lacking in my pronunciation. <laughs> two white, black, black. So five, five mana. mana for a two far two four. Too far. Two Fira. Five mana for a 2-4 Angel Cleric with Flying and Lifelink. Okay. Five mana, 2-4, okay. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Hmm. So it's a Orzhov card that cares about you casting two spells per turn. It's each turn, too. So right. if I cast two on my turn, then two on Jimmy's turn, I'll get to do that on both of them, both turns.
2: Yeah, this seems not great. It's a five-mana card that then, then you can start going off of it, and it's not in blue or red, which is the colors typically associated with casting more than, like, one a spell spells, a turn, yeah. a lot of cheap spells, cantrips, all that stuff. So, I think, like, the only interesting part about that effect is that it mills stuff into your graveyard, um, and you can kind of choose what goes in there. So, if I don't know. I, I'm not in love with this card.
1: No, I think you probably want to play flashback. There's a surprising amount in white and black Mm -hmm. uh, just to give you access to the cards that are also going into your graveyard that you're not choosing. Right. Uh, So you can play... And also just being able to cast a spell twice makes it more likely you're going to be able to cast two spells in a turn. Mm -hmm. But flashback spells are often expensive especially on the flashback side yeah hard to cast two in the same turn so maybe you want like retrace is another thing that allows you to cast spells out of your graveyard if you discard a land uh, but also like rebound might be a way to go because huh. that's in in white for sure and it when you cast a rebound spell it casts it again during your upkeep so that's one spell you've cast already this turn it makes it a lot easier to cast two spells in a turn yeah but to just draw one card off it i mean Maybe. Rebound's already a little bit of card advantage, so getting that, I don't know. Yagmoth's Will let you play stuff out of your graveyard? Yeah.
2: Catalyst Stone is a card that loves Uh, flashback. It's a two-mana artifact. Flashback costs you pay costs up to two less, and then your opponent's flashback costs costs up to two more, which probably isn't going to be relevant.
1: Maybe just white weenie, you know, like small creatures. Generally, the downside of playing out a bunch of small creatures is somebody answers them and you've run out of gas. Yeah. So maybe it's like, I play two one-drops, draw a card, and then the next turn I play two one-drops, draw a card. And that's pretty, like, Fast start in commander it could be scary. You do
2: some damage, but you have to get a five mana commander out to even do that.
1: Yo, oh, that's a really good point. You just can't. Mm. I didn't even
2: think about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did like rewrite. You wrote compare this to nimris Oh yeah, read uh, Nymrus
1: because it's going to make us be like, what?
2: Yeah, why do we even care about this card? Nymrus Unistricter is three blue black for a legendary creature, Fairy Knight One Six with flash and flying. Whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, look at the top two cards of your library, put one into your hand and one into the graveyard. So the first spell on each opponent's turn in blue and black just seems a little bit easier to to do. It's
1: way better. You only have to cast one spell. You get almost yeah. the same effect. And yeah, I don't know. I just, when I saw Nimrus, I mean, when I saw this, I thought, don't we have this card? And we do. <laughs> and of course it's in blue, black, and of course it's better. Because if you re- replace white with blue, what do you get? A better card. Yeah, it's just a better card. Yeah. Sorry, white. All right. Ephiria's just like, "Uh,
2: I just wanted to be a judge.
1: (laughs) Like, yeah, Ephiria was one white black, and you just made her like a one three with flying and no lifelink. Yeah. All of a sudden, I think it gets a lot better because now I can start getting that value earlier. But the Mm -hmm. fact that it's five mana, and like you said, I can't start doing the thing until so much later makes it a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem great. All right. The next one is Harold, King of Skemfar. It's one black green for a three two elf warrior with. Menace. Yay. With Menace. It says, when Harold enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an elf, warrior, or Tyvar card from among them and put it onto your, into your hands. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Tyvar is one of the planeswalkers right, from right, Talheim. Right. Uh, we won't talk about him now, but obviously... If you happen to have Tyvard in, in your top uh, five, it's going to feel pretty good.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is, seems Scream standard to me. I don't know. This does not seem terribly exciting. Maybe you put it into your elf deck to draw more, but it also needs to be black green. Are there that many warrior decks that are like that either?
1: Does it go into like Nagila or some warrior deck? I'm, I don't think it's probably good Yeah, enough. I don't think so either. I mean, I just wrote down, how much better is this than Elvish Visionary? Because <laughs> Elvish Visionary is two mana, draws you a <laughs> That's right, yeah. I think Elvish Visionary is... Kind of just better actually, because you could draw a land off it of if you need a land, and it's two mana not three. Two mana, not three. I mean, obviously there's a three two with menace, but in commander that's just not that great. Let me guess, it's uncommon. Yeah, it's uncommon.
2: Yeah, we don't have to uncommon. talk
1: about it that long. I mean, maybe you could do some stuff with like Kai's ghost form or those black cards that say when it dies it comes back to the battlefield. Yeah, to get some extra value, but all those cost you a card to do that, and then yeah, you get the card back if you have an elf or a warrior or a Tyvar in the top five, but mm-hmm. you can whiff. Yeah, I don't seems know. like
2: you're you're putting it in the ninety nine somewhere. Maybe it gets you a little extra value. Yeah, if you have a bunch of Tyvar type cards running around, then great. <laughs> or if you just have the one, I guess.
1: <laughs> All right, the next one is Rakdos. It's Cardor Doom Doomscur- Scourge, two black red, so four mana for a four three demon berserker. When Cardor enters the battlefield, until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat if Fable and attack a player other than you if able. So goads all your opponent's creatures. I don't know why it doesn't say goad. I guess they don't want goad in standard. Yeah,
2: I don't think they wanted to put the mechanic in there. Yeah. This is basically like disrupt decorum, right? It's too red-red to goad all creatures you don't control, which is the same exact Disrupt decorum in your command zone. I love that already. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of a fun card. I think like you play this in a Judith the Scourge Diva build because it's already pinging people for yeah, damage. Oh, oh wait, hold on. I oh, didn't, you need the card. Re- yeah, yeah. I didn't <gasps> finish this card. So sorry.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so the top part is it goads all your opponent's creatures, but also it says whenever an attacking creature dies, an attacking creature. This yeah. could be your opponent's, Anyone on the yeah. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Hmm. So they've got to attack with all their stuff and attack not you, and probably in that scrum, some stuff's going to die, and they're all going to take damage when that stuff dies. And then also, just regular attacking and yeah. stuff that you're doing, yeah.
2: Yeah, I feel like Judith the Scourged Diva, again, this is something that uh, whenever a non-token creature you control dies, it does one damage to any target, but it's all about aristocracy type stuff, and if everyone's just swinging out and, and dying and getting pinged, it seems pretty fun. Mm-hmm.
1: I think this is cool. I, this uh, control the combat step is something we've been talking about as a deck archetype that yeah, kind of been growing. didn't exist five years ago and they keep adding more and more pieces, which I like. And this is probably another piece in those decks. I really like Disrupt Decorum. I think it's an underrated card. So being able to have that in your command zone seems cool. It doesn't do anything against decks that don't have creatures and yeah. a lot of the most powerful decks don't have or play a lot of creatures. So that's I guess the
2: other players are just going to swing at them then, right? I
1: guess so. <laughs> this, this is always the downside of those cards or these types of cards and builds is that it's yeah. not good against some of the most powerful decks. But that's okay because in a lot of metas, sixes and sevens or what everybody's playing and those have a lot of creatures
2: yeah and uh you can play trumpet blast in this deck too because it makes all attacking creatures get plus two plus oh you end of pump your opponent's stuff yeah <laughs> you just have them all swing out you be like trumpet blast and everyone's like oh repeat reverberation oh everyone <laughs> dies uh, Thantus the Warweaver is another deck you could put this in because that's all again about making your opponents attack. It's hard to double this up in black and red. You can't really like make copies that easily. Mm. So you got Helm of the Host, Splinter Twin. That's you do it every turn. Oh,
1: that's actually cool. Splinter Twin and then just on your turn make a copy of Cardor.
2: Yeah, and you just and get go to everybody the copy again because they'll yeah. both it'll enter the battlefield and then the legend rule will make you kill one. But that's okay. You got the go effect. That's all you wanted. That's right? just like a free disrupt decorum. I think that's pretty useful. Yeah, and can you, you can also
1: do that at instant speed with Splinter Twin, which is right. useful because one of the things. About Goad, or the way this is worded, is it won't see creatures that aren't on the battlefield when you cast it. Oh, right, right, right. So if they played a creature with haste or something, you could go, okay, Splinter Twin, and it'll see that creature now.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, and then I guess other ways to double it up Flame Rush Rider and Flame shell Conjuring. You have black, so you could reanimate the Cyber Graveyard. Um, Helm of the Host yeah Helm of the Host I thought Goblin Tunneler which is like a card that makes people not be able to block Charged Creature Power 2LS can't be blocked this turn uh-huh. um, or Subira which has some like another Charged Creature Power 2LS can't be blocked so you could like actually mess with combat a little bit more um, and same with Grenzo Havoc Razor which goad stuff hard. And then Zerzoth, Chaos Rider, which actually would go well with um, the deck that wants to give creatures creatures like Agar, because this is a, the, a new card from Jumpstart. Two and a red for a two three. Whenever an opponent draws their first card each turn, if it's not their turn, you create a one one red devil creature. That when it dies, oh, yeah. it deals I'm the right. damage. And then when one over one or more devils you control attacks a player, you and those players each draw a card, then discard a card at random. So just making lots of tokens. It's funny, all
1: the Jumpstart cards. I'm like, wait, what does that do again? Because I just haven't seen. I just I haven't seen them yet yeah. either. All right. I like cardor, seems pretty cool. Yeah. It's a fun one. All right. The next one is Boros. Pretty combo-tastic, actually. It's Cole, the Forge Master. Red and a white. So two mana for a 2-2 Dwarf Warrior. Okay. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, if it was enchanted or equipped, return it to its owner's hand. It also says creature tokens you control that are enchanted or equipped get plus one, plus one. Interesting dichotomy between the two abilities because they don't interact very well, right? If a non-token creature you control dies, it returns to your owner's hand if it was Mm -hmm. enchanted or equipped. But then it says, oh, if you have tokens and they're enchanted or equipped, they get bigger. So I don't think you want to do both those things in the same deck because... Right, because your tokens, getting them bigger is good. But, but then, then they don't return you to your hand, so I don't know if you want to make a lot of tokens in the deck or you want to yeah. play into the token anthem thing and not have a lot of non-token creatures. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the combos because this is one of the more combo-tastic of all the commanders. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's in red, and white. red white. But we know, I think, through aristocrat-style builds that anything that's going to return a creature when it dies to your hand, that is has abusable. a lot of power, yeah. Yeah.
2: Definitely. So the best card in the deck is probably Skullclamp. Yeah. Unless you're putting it on a creature that's a token, because then it won't die. (laughs) It's a (laughs) Skullclamp. Which is interesting, because it's it's usually,
1: Skullclamp is very good with tokens. Yeah. But in this one, you want, I think this deck wants a ton of creatures that can be cast for zero mana. Oh, because then you can just cast it again, right? Right, because you're going to get it back to your hand, and you want to be able to just put it back out. So Ornithopters and Kobolds, and there's a, you know, rock and all that stuff. There's a ton of zero, Memnite. There's a bunch of creatures that um, cost zero. And then if you put Skullclamp on that, it dies. It was equipped when it died. Goes to your, goes hand. To your hand and you, you play it again cards. for free. So now it's one mana, draw two cards as many times as you feel like. Yeah, because you always have that creature to put it on. Right. And then if you can add in a free equipper like Pure Steel Paladin or something that says, you know, you can equip so things to for aid. free. Yeah, all that stuff. Now you've got infinite free a creature entering and leaving the battlefield. And we know that you can just, you can quote unquote monetize that, right? You can weaponize <laughs> that. You can Goblin Bombardment. You can run some ads
2: on it. Yeah. Maybe put a brand deal behind it. <laughs>
1: Once you have that engine going... <laughs> You can gobble bombardment, you can alter of the brood, dementia, yep, all alter, phyrexian alter. Ton of
2: mana, yep, yep. You can, whatever. Oh, There's
1: a million ways that you could turn that into a win. Impact, Tremors, Perforos. Those will all win you the game once you have. Holy moly!
2: I didn't realize this is such a combo tastic card. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on. Sai of the Shinobi is another equipment that auto equips when you're in. Yes, the card is eight. Lightning
1: Greaves is a zero equip cost, so you you just have that sack outlet and Rog Rock or whatever. You just equip it, sack it, equip it, sack it, and zero equip. Um, Is this the best red white commander ever made? Because it it can go infinite so easily. I don't know. I mean, I I think one of the other things about this is that. You're in the colors that white, ironically, is the best tutor color for our artifacts, right? Oh yeah. And equipment. So steel shaper's gift, enlightened tutor, those oh, kind of things. If yeah. so you have a really good chance open to open the develop, armory, yeah. 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 To find the pieces for the combo that you need. Um and the wind conditions, there are a lot of them. It's not just one. So you can have, uh, like I said, all the altars, but there's Impact also. Tremors, yeah. Yeah, there's also like Blasting Station and stuff like that. So, oh. and all that, like Idealic Tutor will find Perforos or Impact Tremors. So you can, find, you know, uh, Goblin Bombardment. You, Enlightened Tutor will find any of that stuff and the artifacts. So, yeah, I actually think that the. This ability has all the makings of a CDH deck. I don't know if it'll be CDH because I don't know about the resiliency and things like that. And I'm oh, not a right. CDH player. Maybe it will. But it's a two drop that combos pretty easily. So the combos are you need like three or four cards that doesn't tend to be CDH level. But I think yeah. I think that style of deck will be very powerful. The problem is, if it's not powerful enough for CDH, but it's a combo commander, then where are you going to play it? Because at seven and eight, it might be a seven or an eight, mm-hmm. but the, but the variance will be high. It'll feel really bad because some games you'll combo off early, and it'll go that well. That deck's way too powerful. And then some games it won't find the combo and it won't do anything. And then everybody will go that deck sucks. Yeah, what you it averages this? out to a seven point five or an eight, but it doesn't feel like th- that in either case. It feels like a four sometimes and a ten sometimes. You know. Yeah,
2: and after maybe playing it five or six times, you kind of just know how it works. Yeah, and you kind of lose interest. I feel like on that level too.
1: Maybe it could be cool in playgroups that are fine with that kind of thing. And I think ours is one of those. Yeah where like, yeah. we'd be like, oh, cool, Co- you combo off, great. I don't think anybody would really groan if you combo off in that way. Like, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, you've yeah. got a zero casting cost creature, a skull clamp, a pure steel paladin, and a goblin bombardment out. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Sweet, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not mad covers. about it. Like, yeah, yeah. I should have been able to stop that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw five pieces. I saw five pieces ago. I should have been doing something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were monetizing too hard. <laughs>
1: but still, I do think there is power there because there are a lot of uh, redundancy for a lot of the pieces. So yeah. it's pretty cool. I'm down with it all right the next one is it's just something new for red white we're all like ooh. (laughs) at least it's not like it is equipment based and aura based which the first thing you said you know you would think is like uh again but it's doing more interesting stuff that's at least a little different you can combo off with yeah all right this next card is a house it's coma cosmos serpent this oh, yeah. is the commander that Jacob Bertrand, who plays Hawk on Cobra Kai, we spoiled last episode or a couple episodes ago that uh, he's going to be on game nights. Yes. This is the commander that
2: he's playing. This is definitely a Hawk commander, even though it's not the colors of his mohawk. Yeah. It's, it's definitely oppressive and kind of a bully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Koma,
1: Cosmos Serpent is three green, green, blue, blue. So seven mana hmm. for a 6-6 six, six Serpent. Legendary, of course. It says this spell can't be countered. Okay. That's good, because if you're going to spend seven mana on your commander, you definitely don't want him to be like a counterspell. <laughs> it says, at the beginning of each upkeep, each upkeep... Oh, no. ...create a 3-3 three, three blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. Oh, no. So, on, if you're playing in four players, one rotation table, you will get four 3-3s. Three, one on each player's upkeep. Yep.
2: Yep. And not- three of them will have haste, and the fourth one that gets made on your turn doesn't, but that's, uh, I mean, virtual haste, because they'll come back to you. Yeah,
1: it's dragon brood mother kind of at this point, but it can't be countered, it costs a little bit more mana, but it makes three threes. But it's, we're not done, and this is the thing that sort of pushes it over into like, oh, this card's very good. Yeah. It says, sacrifice another serpent, and then choose one. Either tap target permanent, its activated abilities can't be activated this turn. Ooh. Target permanent. So you can tap their land on their upkeep and they can't tap it for mana the rest of the turn. Your they artifacts. can try and float the mana right there, but it's their upkeep. Yeah, this is planeswalkers too, right? Uh, yes, you can tap a Planeswalker, and they can't activate their loyalty. It. So on their upkeep, you can just turn off a Planeswalker. Also, we've seen... We've played against this deck a few times. We've seen that, you know, it just tends to... There's a lot of abilities floating around just randomly, and you're like, crap, don't tap that. Dang it. And yeah, it's don't stop it. Oh, no. Yeah, Lithoform Engine or something on your upkeep. They just turn it off, right? Yeah. Uh, and then it also... So, so that's one of the things. You can sap a, sack a serpent and do that, or you can sack a serpent and Koma gains indestructible until end of turn. And that really puts it into another level now. Oh my because
2: my gosh, it protects itself. Yes, it's the ultimate.
1: Because now you spent seven mana on a commander, but then you pass the turn, you make a token during their upkeep, and now it's pretty well protected. Obviously, mm-hmm. it can be exiled, it can be bounced, but there are are way less ways to kill it a board wipe doesn't solve your problem if you often want a board wipe because they have a ton of serpents and stuff yep but it doesn't get rid of coma which activated is your- abilities don't do it either yep yeah wow so coma is pretty strong um this is a card I like to say it's all the entire engine is on the card right yeah this card if it's just left to its own devices, will take over and then win the game. Very like a snake, right? It's just going to slowly, <laughs> incrementally squeeze the game and win. It'll just, over time, it'll be able to handle anything, it won't die, and it'll create enough value on its own that it's just very hard to overcome. So
2: much value, though. Every single upkeep, that's, think of the power, that's 12 power and toughness as well. That's, jeez. Yeah, Jeez. it's just going to take over the
1: game if you left to its own devices. Now, you can do some stuff to help it out. So you can try and make more tokens. So obviously, doubling season, parallel lives, very good because not only are you getting double the power, you're also getting double the activations on Coma, which just... Once coma has got like four serpents, yep. it's very oppressive because you can't kill
2: it it's going to get indestructible and it can get indestructible you have to exile it otherwise yeah yeah. you can't even attack into it because it will just tap your stuff down
1: yeah normally a deck like this you'd be like okay i gotta fly over the top of it
2: Kill the player, not the creature, because
1: yeah. all that stuff's on the ground, right? All the snakes and yeah. But Coma's got protection from flying because it just says, "Oh, you got a big flyer? Tap yeah. it down before combat."
2: That's why I didn't think about right. I'm like, yeah. "Oh, what are all the activated abilities that can stop?" It's like, "No, it can just tap down stuff, and that can be more than enough to stop you from killing a player."
1: Yeah, you're a Voltron Commander, and you're hoping to swing in there with Commander damage. Oh, no, no you're not. Yeah. I'm going to tap it down before combat. It's just a very powerful thing to be able to do. Um, Whelming Wave very good in this deck because they're all oh, serpents. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: so Whelming Wave is two blue, blue return all creatures to their owners' hands except for krakens, leviathans, octopuses, and serpents. Coma is komos literally Cosmos Serpent. So yeah, and he mixed serpents get wrecked.
1: Um, this card's really good with counter spells. I think because it yeah. is so powerful on its own, you stick it, and if you have Fierce Guardianship or oh. or you know Swan Song or something in hand to protect it for that one rotation, and now if you just sat there and said, okay, I'm just going to make sure my Coma doesn't die. And you guys don't do anything nuts. And I'll just win with serpents after three turns or so.
2: Yeah, ramp out to this, just hold up counter spell and just get serpents after serpents after serpents.
1: The serpents will win you the game eventually because yeah. you're going to crater hoof or
2: whatever. Yeah, or you'll play a doubling season and double them up. You'll just buy, yeah. I mean, I think this is just an insanely powerful card. What colors was it again? Yeah, Simic. It's interesting because everybody was like, oh, a Simic card that doesn't like draw you cards or put lands into play. Oh, it's and they're still like, nuts. Yeah, but it does everything else. You can't yeah. even counter the thing. They're like, we didn't fill in this part of the Simic value pile. We got to do that first before we really get to everything else. Like, why can't they just give white? A, like, white's is like a chroma vision of Ixidor. It's yeah. like, it's not even, it's like, come on, that's not, look at Coma. Look, <laughs> look at Coma. That's everything. Yeah.
1: Uh, spoiler alert, Jacob did not build his deck in this way, but there is a very mean version of Coma, I think, that yeah. stacks. Because think how good Coma is with stacks. If you just stick Coma and then Winter Orb, Static Orb, Stasis, anything like that and no one can do anything, even if you can't, you're mm-hmm. making 12 power worth of stuff every turn. Plus, you can tap their stuff down. Right. Which is not going to untap. So you could just keep the game on lock and just slowly wait till you have enough serpents and win that way. Um, it's definitely how you make a lot of friends. Yeah. I, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it, but I think a lot of play groups are not going to love that. No.
2: <laughs> definitely not.
1: Coma. Pretty good. Put you in a coma. Big time. Yeah. All right. The next card is... Maya? Maha?
2: Baha Blast? It has to be Maya.
1: Maya, Bredegard Protector. I'm really sorry. I, I, I mangled that, I'm sure. All right. Two green, white, white, so five mana for a two, three. Okay. Human Warrior. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control create a one one white human warrior creature token so oh, okay. landfall create a one one but it's actually a two two because it has the anthem effect to give plus one plus one to your other creatures
2: okay so selesnia tokens is something we've seen plenty of times before green and white loves making tokens they can populate can they do all that stuff but now we have landfall on top
1: yeah so this is just created two archetypes that already exist and sort of slamming them together and saying they landfall we know exists <laughs> tokens exist you know Welcome to Time. There you go. So <laughs> this deck probably plays that um, package we talked about for Boros with the Fetchlands Crucible of Worlds brought mm-hmm. back... Second Reclamation, sunrise. second sunrise yeah, there's actually yeah, a new yeah. one of those in this set. yeah uh, it's a foretell card it's called cosmic invention cosmic
2: intervention oh intervention yeah yeah the art is really sweet too it's three in a white for an instant if a permanent you control will be put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn exile it instead return to the battlefield under its owner's control at the being of the next end step and then the foretell cost is one in the white so during your turn you can pay two and then you turn this card upside down and it's like Ready to be cast at any time for one in the blue. So you can sort of split up the white, mana white. cost. Yeah, one in the white. But it's foretell for two, colorless, right. yeah. Or generic, sorry.
1: Yeah, so you pay two and then later you pay only two. And that means that you you can pay only two rather than three for Second Sunrise. Four. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To make it so anything that's going to go to the graveyard comes back, basically. And yeah, that it's works. Any permanents, wow. Yeah, it works with fetch lands, right? You save up a couple of fetch lands, do mm-hmm. that, two mana, get them back. It also works ramp with, that way. Uh,
2: Land destruction.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like it works for Armageddon stuff. Land destruction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think this package goes in Maya, and it you know you're obviously going to do the the fetch land, the extra lands and play thing to make a lot of tokens, and then you just do the token side of the normal strategy, which is Parallel Lives, Norn Procession, Catherine's Devine Divine Visitation. Yep, all that stuff we always talk about, and you probably win with Craterhoof, Beastmaster Ascension, Triumph for the Horde, some finisher type, maybe Akroma's Will. That's a new oh, one. Oh, the
2: new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I like how people get excited about, oh, that's a new one. I'm going to put that in instead of Beastmaster Ascension. Sure, but it's filling that same role, right? You're going to have certain roles that are going to be there, and the pump all my stuff, which I have a lot of it, is just a role that needs to be filled. And whether you want to do it with card A or card C, whatever. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yep, I mean, I think these kinds of decks, landfall token, token decks in general, there are so many of them now that the sort of the lanes to play them are pretty well defined. You can always do other directions. Be creative if you want. Maybe warrior tribal or something because it does
1: make warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That could be fun. All right, Jimmy, how would you pronounce this next one? Morit? Morite? I would say Morit. But it's got so many T's and E's at the end, so maybe you want to say Morite. Like,
1: why why is the last T and E there if they make no sound?
2: (laughs) Morit. Oh, maybe it's Morit. Morit. Okay, it's Morite of the... Wait, f- how do you pronounce Umazawa's j- Jitte? jite jite? But M- that's like... Listen, Scandinavian, Scandinavian. Japanese? Scandinavian. I have no idea. I don't even know if jite is... I think jite is in, the, in the English word. I don't even know. I have more, know. no idea. Whatever. Morite of the frost. Morit. Mori- Morit. Morit. Moriti? Morite. Morite. Morite? Morite, Whatever.
1: Of the frost. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Two green, blue, blue. It's M-O-R-I-T-T-E.
2: Okay? Okay, yeah. Just so everybody out there... It's a Well, it's obviously this. It's I don't know. (laughs) We're just losing our minds now. Okay.
1: (laughs) We're almost to the end. We can make it. Okay, we got this. All right. Two green, blue, blue. So five mana for a zero, zero Mm shapeshifter. Has changeling, so it has all creature types. It says, you may have Morit enter the battlefield as a copy of a permanent you control, except it's a legendary and snow in addition to its other types. And if it's a creature, it enters... Uh, with two additional plus one plus
2: one counters on it and has changeling oh my gosh okay so you can copy anything that you control it with gets a little bigger and it still has changeling
1: it, only if it's a creature only if it's a creature yep. otherwise you can just copy permanence yep you can make it into you know your gilded lotus or whatever okay but if you make it into a creature it gets plus it gets two plus one plus one counters, and has changeling and, and legendary, it's always legendary and in, snow no.
2: yeah. permanent okay
1: so there's a bunch of cards that sort of say sh- if it shares a creature type with blah 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 then do this mm-hmm. and that's ki- this is a kind of a way to kind of i'm gonna say break but like mildly bend this because there's not a lot of these effects that are broken right so the first one that's pretty good is descendant's path
2: yes this one is to an green for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep reveal the top car of your library you may cast it without paying its mana cost if it's a creature type that shares a creature type with a creature you control, you got a changeling on the battlefield. They all share that creature type. Exactly. And um, that's
1: kind of what all of these are going to do. Yeah. So like alpha status.
2: Yeah, it gets plus two, plus two, and enchantment aura for each other creature on the battlefield that shares a creature type with it. So it counts your opponent's creatures too. Oh, cool, Because cool. changeling has all of the creatures. Yeah, so heirloom blade it- does the same thing. When the creature dies, it's an equipment. Then you reveal cards and you basically do the descendant's path thing. But you don't cast it. You just put it into your hand.
1: Yep, but still, you're going to get a creature back, whatever the next creature is in your mm-hmm. deck. Um, anything with kinship, because kinship is oh. an ability that cares about shares a creature type. Um, if you remember the holiday episode of Game Nights, the leaf-crowned, uh, leaf-crowned
2: elder. elder that yeah. Lady plays. Which has kinship at the beginning of your upkeep. You may look at the top card of your library if it shares a creature type with leaf-crowned elder, which it will when you use Marit, Marit Morit to copy it and make it a changeling, right? I gotta say all four names every time. <laughs> every time, yeah. <laughs> that way uh, our editors will be able to go in and choose the right one on the of... Yeah, sure. They're gonna love that. They're gonna be like, that's a good idea, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, it does get the
1: two plus one plus one counters, which actually might be the more powerful part of this whole thing, <laughs> which is crazy. Cause it's kind of a bad clone in that it's five mana, two colors. Um it does yeah. do any permanent but clever impersonator does that. Four mana is typically where clones lie, just so you all know. So get but getting p- two plus one plus one counters means if you can copy a persist card and a sack outlet, you'll all, you'll just go infinite because... It'll, oh, because it comes back. Yeah, it has the persist when it dies, it comes back, and it adds the two plus one plus one counters. Oh, because you copy
2: then the same persist card.
1: Yeah, so Glenelinda Archmage... Woodfall Primus. Gr- grown. Grown. Because that's counter everything forever. Woodfall Primus, Grown. Because that's destroy everybody's everything that's not a creature. Not a
2: creature permanence, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's maybe a thing, the persist thing, I guess. There's not a ton of them in green and blue, but, you know, you put them in, and then you do the thing, I guess.
2: Yeah, and if you have cards that care about snow, then you want to, maybe that's a a direction you could go as well.
1: Yeah. Spoiler alert, I did not put it in my Jorn
2: God of Winter deck, so. (laughs) It's because Jorn's already the God of Winter. He doesn't need it. You don't
1: need no Morit,
2: Morit, Morit. (laughs) 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 Moritie? Okay, All right, let's move on. We Moving got four moredees cards before we got to get out of here. Four moredees. Yeah, we're cards. getting close, getting close. <laughs> All right, we're getting delirious over here. Yeah. The next one is
1: N- Narfi, <laughs> Betrayer King. Sorry, that name is funny. I think this there's a character named Narfi in like Skyrim or something that people were saying. Oh, cool. But it's not it has anything to do with this card. In yeah, fact, this this, a, this looks like the Night King. It's the White Walker, dude. yeah. All right, Narfi Betrayer King, 3 blue black five mana for a four three zombie wizard it's a legendary snow creature okay other snow and zombie creatures you control get plus one plus one so snow anthem zombie anthem hmm. and then it says you can you can pay three snow mana and return narfi from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped
2: okay that's actually nice wait three snow mana get them back you can just tax zombie decks are always sacking and stuff
1: I think you can safely assume that a deck with Narfi in it is going to have mostly snow permanents. I mean, sorry, snow lands. Snow lands, yeah. Maybe yeah. not all, but mostly. So that really just kind of reads three mana. Three Bring mana past it, yeah. Love yeah, it. the first thing I thought of was, well, if you create infinite mana, mm-hmm. then you can sack and recur Narfi forever. Okay. Now, infinite snow mana is a little bit harder to do because, like, Astronaut's Altar, Phyrexian Altered they, oh, they make... make- Regular mana. Regular mana. Unless you could turn them into snow permanents, then I think they make snow mana, which there are a few cards that do that. Um, but Commander's Quarters, Mitch Commander's Quarters, had an interesting combo he talked about with
2: this card, which is you use Intruder Alarm. Which is a creatures don't untap during the creatures untap step, but whenever a creature enters the battlefield, untap all creatures. And then you use Cormus Bell. For mana artifact, all swamps are 1-1 black creatures that are still lands.
1: So you turn your snow-covered swamps into creatures, and you have Intruder Alarm out, so now you sac Narfi... Pay the three snow mana, and then taps all your lands.
2: Oh, uh, because they're all creatures now. Yeah. And, and then see. you
1: tap them again for a mana, and you float all the mana, have infinite mana, have infinite, enter the battlefields, so you blood artist, or whatever.
2: Yeah. Uh, you also wrote here, if you can create infinite mana in black, then why don't you just win any number of other ways that black can, with Torment of Hailfire, Exsanguinade, and yada, yada, yada.
1: Right. So, if you could create infinite mana, then, you know, but the Narfi is a key component of creating the infinite mana in that specific combo, because with the Intruder Alarm, you need a creature to enter to untap uh-huh. all stuff. So, yeah. But, I mean, you can just assault Monolith, Rings of Bright Hearth, Torment yeah. of Pale of Fire. If you want to do, like, creative man- Mana win, it's Plenty definitely possible it. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Maybe but Narfi does have that combo.
2: Maybe make, like, a Vorthosi, uh, White Walker, Game of Thrones, Season 8 deck. That would be cool. You know? It's probably five color, and you, um Narfi yeah. becomes the Night King.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. I mean, Narfi probably goes into zombie decks, right? Cause it For sure. Zombies. It's a
2: pomper. Yeah. 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 So, All right. You have to play snow to really use it, though. I just like the I fact think, but, that you could sack them and then bring them back for cheap. So if you have ways that want, if you want to cast your commander a lot in your deck, then this is a great way to do it because you never have to put them back in the command zone, really.
1: Yeah, I think at most decks it wouldn't cost them a lot to just turn their their land base into snowman. And for the most part, for permanent... at this sense. point,
2: there's so yeah, yeah. they reprinted reprint the and snowman then just put Narfi
1: in, and really Narfi's your only payoff for that, but it allows you to play it. Yeah. All right, three to go. We've got Saurulf, Realm Eater. This is a very large dog. <laughs> <laughs> this is a large puppy. At least he's eating, yeah. Yeah. Okay. One black green. So three mana for a 3 3 legendary wolf. Whenever a permanent an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on Saurulf. So anytime an opponent's permanent is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, only opponents, though, not yours. Fetch lands count. Fetch lands count. Treasures count. Uh, Seraph gets a plus one plus one counter, and then, at the beginning of your upkeep, if Seraph has one or more plus one plus one counters on it, you may remove all of them hmm. so you can 't remove part, you have to remove all the counters or remove none of them. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you exile each other non-land permanent with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of counters removed this
2: way. Exile. Okay, now we're talking. Please don't play this as your commander because every (laughs) game will last forever. It will never end!
1: <laughs> okay, now we're talking, and what I want to say is don't do don't that. Don't do it. Well,
2: I mean, the thing is, if you take three off, then Saruf gets rid of himself. So No, no, it says boring. each other oh, non
1: permanent with converted mana cost less Choice. than or equal to the number of counters this way. right. So Saruf will just will never get rid of himself. Okay,
2: yeah, I wrote that wrong. Yeah, the per- pernicious deed is the closest comparison to this, but that's just destroying artifact creatures and enchantments with CMC X or less um i think you're playing this in the gave deck for sure because you can just manipulate how many counters go on there gave is yep. a five mana commander so you can always just take off four and just wipe everything else out and you can oh, that's great yeah yeah your creatures that were going to die anyway you just put those back onto saruf afterwards you know like by sacking them and making them one one counters again
1: yep you put Tyam down which also like removes counters and does stuff brings things yeah. back too. so stuff that you know you've has died or whatever uh Nesting Grounds is a land that allows you to sort of move counters. Oh, right, right. So Because you, you might want the counters to be at a specific amount on star Elf because you're, like you said, oh, yeah, yeah. I have a five drop. I want to be four so that that sticks around. And you probably want to have, in general, a little bit higher CMC stuff just because it's going to be easier to sort of um, push mm-hmm. the button on star Elf at lower amounts. And that's going to be when people are less afraid of it, maybe, because they're going to have to crack fetch lands and treasures and stuff, right? So at a certain yeah. point, like star Elf getting like one or two counters, you're not going to have to do much. They're going to do it for you.
2: Yeah, and it's also more importantly, it gets rid of so many important things like mana rocks. Like two mana rocks are so common, and if you get Sarah off to two, and that's really not that hard to do. Maybe you like play this in a way where if if you're like trying to hold it, like I want to get this to four, and you, your opponent has to hold up a fetch land. So when they, when they pass the turn, then Sarah's trigger goes on the stack. You sack the fetch land, give him another counter, and being like, no, you can't do it. <laughs> but I don't know, it's just a lot. It, it's this to me just seems kind of annoying because you're just wiping the board, you're exiling the board very often. Yeah, I mean, I think it
1: happens on the upkeep, so everyone will see it coming, so Mm -hmm. you get a chance. It's not like you can play this and ever have it happen that turn. Now, you could flash it in, but if you flash it in, it probably doesn't get very many counters, right? So that's not even sort of um, exploitable in that way. Mm -hmm. So it is at least like a time bomb that we can see and Mm -hmm. maybe do something about, so... I think if there's Sarolf decks in your meta, you're going to have to learn to play a lot more interaction because otherwise those games are just not going to be fun. But what's probably yeah. going to happen is your playgroup will learn and then kill this thing often. Um, other cards yeah. I think this deck will probably play is like all the Edict effects, especially the instant speed ones, because here's what you want. You want everybody to be looking at Sarolf. No counters on it. I feel good. I'm going to play this. Is anybody going to play a fetch line or anything? Nope, I'm not going to. Are Is anybody going to be cracking treasure or anything? Nope, I'm not going to. Okay. Then I feel safe playing a couple things. Let's just make an agreement. We're not going to kill each other's stuff until Seraph was dead. <laughs> okay, okay. That sounds good. And now on the end step, you go Liliana's Triumph, triumph. Soul Shatter, Tribute to the Wild, Bonus Hunger, something like that. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, crap. I, everyone has to sacrifice a creature. Everyone has to sacrifice an enchantment. Oh, and then
2: it's boom on the end all step. Your stuff. And now
1: you go exile everything. And they didn't see it coming because they couldn't see the counters on it. Yep. That's, I think, a play pattern that's going to be real brutal. Yeah,
2: you don't you don't want to have it on board like treasures or or lands that people know you're going to get rid of to to pump those numbers up. This just kind of feels like a headache to me though, because you just have to watch the math constantly. How many can you do? And from their hand, are they going to do it? Do they have on board effects? Are other people going to potentially lose something? What if someone tries to kill a creature on someone's end step? That's going to add something to Seraph too. Yep. Yowza.
1: Yowza. Yowza. Uh, I think you probably want to pl- play a bunch of board wipes that you can control the mm-hmm. size of. So Toxic Deluge, Black Sun Zenith, Pestilence, these are all uh, really yeah. good because they allow you to choose the size of the board wipe to not kill Seraph. And remember, Seraph will get bigger over time, so often it's going to be, gonna be like a 7, 7, or 8, 8, yeah. and you're like, yeah, Toxic Deluge for 6. Oh. Kills everything, now it's like a 15-15. And you might even just swing with it and not do the exile thing, depending on how everything looks. Because it's May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, something, uh, we wrote down here is if you just go to EDH rec and type in Grismold, the Dread Sower, that's a good way to sort of look at a bunch of cards that Serelf might want because Grismold kind of wants similar things to kill, uh, your opponent's creatures a lot. Yep. Yep. This is gonna be powerful. I, I do agree with you though. It's gonna be a slog. I, I think anytime you see this in somebody's command zone, you're like, okay, this game's gonna to be tough. And I probably don't want to be playing a creature-heavy deck. And I gotta hold my interaction and kill Seralf the first two times it comes out if I can.
2: Yeah, I think at that point the deck is kind of disa- like you just you turn yeah. it off, right? Like it's gone at that. Well, point. Well, if it has a lot of board
1: wipes like Toxic Delusion stuff like that, it's still gonna be able to stick around, right? And yeah, going to have yeah, all yeah. the land ramp and stuff from green. So I think the deck will still be a pain in the butt because it's gonna be like, okay, fine, I can't play my commander, but I can still wipe the board every turn.
2: Yeah. I'm black green i've got all the removal in the world yep all right two, okay. two to go
1: next one is svela ice shaper one red green for a two four legendary snow creature it's a troll warrior all right two abilities you can pay three and tap svela and create a colorless snow artifact token named icy manolith <laughs> with, with tap the icy manolith add one man of any color it creates literal manolith manaliths, but they are snow manaliths.
2: Okay, icy manaliths.
1: Yep. And then it also has a second ability, which is pay six a red and a green and taps Vela, and look at the top four cards of your library. You may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost, Put, it, put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So Yay. once you've created enough manaliths, so you're like, I don't need mana anymore, I'll just start casting something for free off the top four cards of my library. That seems good.
2: Yeah, it's. this reminds me of Eric Smethy's because it's all about like make mana, make mana, make mana. And then boom, now that it's unlocked or Eric Smethy's has woken from their slumber, then you can kind of go nuts and do like the Golos thing a little bit. Yep. It does cost a lot though, eight mana. It does. It's kind of cool that you can make a manalith every turn, but I feel like you got better things to do with your mana.
1: Yeah, I mean, the ability to make a Manalith is good because it starts to fuel itself, mm-hmm. but it's slow to get going, I agree. And then the tap part of it keeps it in check pretty well. Maybe they learn from, like, Thrasios and stuff. I hope so, yeah. Yeah, because if it was, like, pay eight, colon, do the thing, I think that's way worse. Because then you can just find ways to go infinite, and then you're yeah.
0: casting your whole library. Now you're just point.
1: like, oh, if I have infinite mana, I just kind of cast my whole library. Whereas yeah. this is like, I need, a, I need to be able to untap this thing to really go off, which is harder, which I think puts this in a really nice power level place i don't think it's possible for a svela deck to be a nine or a ten mm-hmm. which is great because you can just build it the most optimized it can be and it's probably right in the seven eight range which i like
2: yeah and then you get eldrazi cast triggers if you're trying to go big with that because it says cast not put onto the battlefield which is mm-hmm. typically what you see with green decks when they cheat stuff out um so like kozilek the or ulamog the ceaseless Hunger both are cast and you get the casts for eight mana yeah. yeah if you know they're there maybe you want some top deck
1: manipulation or you put down worldly tutor kind type of stuff to yeah, guarantee to you know what's yeah. there yeah
2: um there's a card called scred in an old deck called yep. scred red it's a red instant deals damage to target creature equal to the number of snow permanents you control and you're making icy manaliths yeah it's not as exciting <laughs> uh
1: parallel lives is still good you'll make two manaliths yeah uh, i think two manaliths for three mana is actually really good yeah that's you different because you get two of the, of the mana back, back so yeah. it actually only costs you one mana to make two manaliths which is starts to become nuts stuff like rhyme tender you want uh, which is an untapper for snow permanence. I think this mm-hmm. deck wants a lot of untappers, because not only do you want to untap your lands and use it again, you also want to untap Svela, right. so that you can tap Svela multiple times. So Seedborn Muse, Wilderness Reclamation, Curse of Bounty is the curse that allows you to untap stuff.
2: Well, yeah, when you attack that player, yeah, or
1: when anybody attacks a player, yeah. Instill Energy, Nature's Chosen is a way in green to untap creatures. Uh, oh, thousand, yeah, I haven't seen
2: this card in forever.
1: Thousand Year Elixir. So you can kind of maybe get to the point where you're making multiple Manaliths per turn. And once you're doing that, it's easier to keep doing it because yeah, the, the extra Manaliths all of a Yeah, exactly. So I think it could snowball out of control, but it'll ha- take a little while to get going. Illusionist Bracers is another one that d- doubles up activated uh, abilities. So you uh-huh. can... Make two mana lists, and then once you have enough mana, you're doubling up the part where you're casting the top four car- or the best card of your top four cards.
2: I like what you wrote at the end. Take advantage of having a bunch of artifacts. These icy mana lists. You play Molder Slug. It's a creature that says at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they sacrifice an artifact. Yeah, that could be backbreaking for a lot of those decks that need their ramp, or you know, and even if they're losing a soul ring or whatever, or yeah. two mana. And you're that, like, that, I'm that's... basically
1: losing three mana. Yeah, yeah, because I'm just creating. You're family. just making another one. Yeah. yeah, totally. So yeah, I think that's actually I'm kind of excited about this deck in that it will sit. At exactly the right power level. I used to, so I used to play basketball a lot. I, I talk about that on the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was, for when I was shooting three pointers, I knew that if I was like about three inches behind the three point line, was I was actually a little more accurate than I was if I was at, right at the three point line. Oh. and that was because at three inches back, I knew to, I could just throw it as hard as I could. <laughs> Like, I didn't have to, like... You weren't
2: trying to precision it in, right? This is just, like, chuck
1: it as hard as I can, and that's the right range from here. (laughs) Whereas if I'm a a half a step forward, I have to actually, like, think about the exact right amount of pressure to throw the ball up at. I see. And so I like commanders that are kind of like that, too, where, oh, I can just build this as powerful as I want. It's not going to break. And the most powerful this thing can be doesn't seem like it's ever going to be a 10. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a good... I like that, actually. That's cool. So, they don't have to feel bad about optimizing, because it always sucks when you also bring a deck that can be optimized, but you're like, I under-optimized it to make it. It's like, yeah, but the commander's still so strong. Everyone's just mad and going to kill it because they're scared of it. Yeah, or they're just scared. Yeah, the the scary part. Yeah, I don't care what you say about your Urza deck. They're killing it first. Uh, I don't care what you say about your Coma deck, right? It doesn't matter how (laughs) little you optimize that sucker. (laughs) All right, the next one is,
1: and it's the last one for today, it's Vega the Watcher. It's a cute little owl. It It looks like the Harry Potter owl. I do love Harry Hagrid? Parker. Hagrid? No, Hagrid's the guy. <laughs> Hedwig. <laughs> Hedwig, yeah, Hedwig, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was close. Hagrid, Hagrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's,
2: it's kind of like a name in the set review, honestly. Who knows? You I haven't read those books ways. in like 15 years.
1: So. Yeah. All right. One white blue for a 2-2 bird spirit has flying. Whenever you
2: cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, hmm. draw a card. Oh, Okay. Well, first, shout-out to Tappy Toe Claws. Hopefully, we'll show an image here. She did a really awesome makeup look for uh, her reveal of this card. Okay, so there are a bunch of mechanics that work with this, obviously. Flashback, Jump Start, Impulsive Draw, uh, foretell, Adventures, Suspend, Escape, Retrace, Rebound, Cascade, Madness... And then there are a bunch of cards that do this thing, uh, like Isochron Scepter allows you to cast it. Future Sight allows you to cast stuff top of off top of your library. Sunbird's Invocation. Send Triplets out of someone else's hand. That's kind of funny. Chaos Wand. Yep. Also out of somebody's deck. Torrential Gear Hulk and
1: Snapcaster out of your graveyard. Diluvian Primordial out of other opponent's graveyards. Yeah, Tygam, Ojutai Ty Master. Oh, that gives rebound to your stuff. Yep, yep. Um, uh, Elsh of the Infinite cast off the top of your library. Mm-hmm. So Sabine the-, the Chronoclasm doesn't technically... Cast stuff out of your graveyard, but cares if you're casting flashback spells, which... Right. Yeah. Uh, Or cares if you're casting anything out of your graveyard, I think. Like, I was surprised when we made this list how much is on it. Mm -hmm. It seems very clear to me that you're going to be able to put 50 spells in here that you can cast... That you can cast in some other way than from your hand. And that means most of your stuff is going to cast... Draw you a card when you cast it.
2: Yeah. And, like... They're not... It's not bad to have a card cast itself more than once. Like, it's actually great. You're getting value off of that. You're essentially drawing an extra card because you don't need to cast something out of your hand. And then you're literally drawing an extra card because Vega does that. Yeah, yeah. So Vega seems like a really good enabler for all the decks we just mentioned. The uh, Elsha, Tigam, and Savin, that world of stuff. I don't know if it's as great just by itself. I think if it's by itself, you're going to have the problem. And you can solve this problem. I just don't
1: know what the solution is. Uh uh, What is this deck doing, right? Like, because all this... Yeah, it's casting stuff from not its hand, but that just draws you cards. Yep. So you need a focal point of what the deck wants to do besides that cuz drawing cards is not a plan for the deck, right? Unless- That's
2: what makes it that was what makes white blue so
1: hard is cuz yeah. they like what's their win plan? Stacks? Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Is it like Thassa's Oracle Laboratory Maniac? Because you're drawing so many cards again. That's not like a win con that most people love anymore. Because you've just seen it so much. I'm not. I'm not judging those people if you're playing CDH or whatever. Mm -hmm. But winning in the same way all all the time is not something a lot of people want to do. So how do you build a deck that's doing something? that doesn't feel like it's the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. But what's the, I don't know what the focus of the Vega deck is. If, if not that, because it's like, well, you can Isochron Scepter and do all this stuff and it'll feel cool. But in the end, how are you winning? Maybe it's chaos wand. And you're just like, I'm going to use my opponent's cards somehow. Maybe I don't know if there's enough of that effect though.
2: Yeah. I think you definitely just want to put this in the 99 somewhere. White blue is just a really tough space. It is an uncommon one too. It's not necessarily meant to be like the thing. Okay. So that's
1: all 21 of the, uh, Traditional, regular, non-MDFC commanders from Kaldheim.
2: More ways to say this than Moritz's name, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Again, we didn't talk about the two from the mini decks from the pre-cons. We're going to do those separately when we do the budget upgrade uh, episodes for that. Jimmy, before we go, let's do what we always do here. um, Split these into two categories. We have two awards categories (laughs) today. The first one is most powerful new new traditional commander. Just have the
2: 21 we talked about today. The most powerful. This one seems pretty obvious based on just the number of time amount of time. It's a it's a mix, I think, between Coma and Orva. Coma, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is naturally a little more powerful because it has access to green. But Orva lets you add greens to your deck basically because you can turn lands into more lands. Yeah, I think
1: Orvar is going to be. Is it Orvar? How is it? Orvar. Orvar. Sorry, Orvar. Orva. Orvar. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I would vote for Orvar. I think it's probably the most powerful. There's so many crazy things you can do with it. But I could see it being... Coma's seven mana also Mm -hmm. just naturally makes it a little less powerful. It is in green. Yeah, you could ramp up you to that ramp- by turn
2: three or four if you're, you know, really going yeah.
1: nuts. Serolf might be in the mix to be able to talk about. Um, coal, maybe, just because so combo tasky, if you built the most powerful Coal deck, how fast it could get to the combo, maybe it can beat, yeah. you know, these other
2: decks. I think those are probably Yeah, we're, like, rating power on a lot of different things yeah. now. I don't know. I would say Orvar is, is my... is my. Uh, it's definitely the most, like, shocking of all of them. I was like, Whoa! This is so this much is cool stuff. You can do. Yeah, yeah. Which is
1: sad because I don't usually like to pick as my favorite commander what is the most powerful oh, commander or what I think is the most powerful commander. Oh, that's going to be it for you? Yeah, Orvar, I think, is my favorite. I'm, I'm pretty excited. And of all the decks, you know, every time we do this um, exercise, and we do it a lot lately where mm-hmm. we're going through and listing out and researching like all the different synergies and combos for every single legendary in the set. There'll yeah. be one or two where I'm like, get excited to the point where I'm like, oh, I might build that deck. Yeah, Orvar's the one for me this time.
2: Okay. I think the one for me has to be my Red Magda, Brazen Outlaw. I mean, I just, I did build it for game nights and I had a blast playing it and I like looked at it and went, went wow, there's actually a lot of different directions you could take this to. So that's going to be my vote for this episode.
1: That is a sweet deck too. When I watched you play it, I was like, damn, for a Red deck, that thing does a lot and it's like a lot of cool stuff stuff. And Treasures. You love yeah. Treasures. And you're just doing a lot of stuff, and and that, yeah. that I think is fun. I think, you know, one of the reasons Mono Red doesn't always call to me is that it feels like it's pretty straightforward, but the Magna deck has a bunch of different axes and a bunch of different cool stuff you can do, so I really like that deck.
2: Yeah.
1: Alright. All right. To the listeners, what do you think about these new uh, non-MDFC, the regular traditional commanders from Kaldheim? Which one of the ones that we talked about today are you uh, most excited to build? Which do you think is the most powerful? Which do you think is your favorite? Do you, do you agree? Do you think Orvar is uh, the most powerful from these, or do you Think one of the other ones is going to end up being stronger.
2: Do you have a better name than traditional non-MDFC commanders? Because we'd love to know. Regular that. commanders, man, that just uh, seems like we're insulting them. It seems so bad. Yeah. yeah, these are the simple commanders. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> these ones aren't as special. Look, they're not, not as special. In fact, they are just as special as MDFCs, and you're going to want to show your love for those special cards by getting them yourself by going to cardkingcom slash commandzone. You can pick up all of these amazing cards. As you saw, there's the Phyrexian script on that you freaking Vorenklex. You
1: want Phyrexian That thing is sweet.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick one of those up, uh, and cardkingcom slash commandzone is where I always do go because their shipping is super fast. They have my product when I need to get it really quickly when I'm building a deck for game nights, or if I just want to be able to play that deck on spell table as quickly as possible so make sure you use the affiliate link you're also helping out the show eat your heart out craig
1: look yum, at yum, that But <laughs> that one's not yours it's mine <laughs> or maybe jimmy's uh. Uh, actually, you... I don't I don't these cards are actually they belong to the command zone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might need them for an episode, so they'll stay here for now. If
1: you want to get any of the called Home themed stuff that goes onto your playmats, onto your sleeves, onto your deck boxes, Ultra Pro is the place to go. They not only make the coolest stuff that's themed to every set, they have the licensing agreement with Wizards so that mm-hmm. they're able to do that. But they also just make the best stuff to protect your game pieces. Eclipse sleeves, pro gloss now, oh, yeah. satin towers, mythic collection deck boxes. They have the awesome metal dice. They just really have everything thing to make sure that all your game pieces stay in pristine condition but also so that your battlefield looks as cool as possible yeah, and it Pro all
2: matches sometimes too
1: yeah it's the coolest when a new set comes out and you've got the matching playmat, sleeves and deck boxes for your new deck that really is it's like you're all dressed up for a nice night out you, you look fancy and classy uh, this is one of those sets too with just great art like yeah. really cool
2: art and I, they've really fleshed out this
1: world I'm sure they're gonna do some of the showcase art that they did like on these uh, showcase frames mm-hmm. which is a, a certain art style that looks really really cool so yeah. yeah ultra pro really does great stuff all right now it's time for okay. the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic i'm talking
2: slowly so jimmy can come up with something looking at my phone what's on my calendar did i watch something recently is there any games that you've been playing recently jimmy jeez you know i wish i i work also as a host on the thing called ven which is a gaming network and i literally don't have time to play games have i talked about hades yet we mentioned it the other day, but let's talk about it because I've played it. Okay, yeah. Hades is a really fun game. It's on Switch. Uh, it's on PC. Uh, it is a game that's made by a company called Supergiant, and they've done a ton of really great games. Bastion Transistor, um, really, really well-known games from the past. This is a game that's set in the Olympian universe. You play Zagreus, the son of Hades, and you're trying to escape hell, basically, and your dad's just sort of sitting there laughing at you, and it's a roguelike, uh, which means that every single time you play the game, When you die, you go back from the beginning and start all over again. Now you might think, oh, this is going to be so repetitive or whatever. But the levels change a little bit. You'll go through different sequences of rooms. You also call upon the Olympians for different powers that will help you through. Yeah, so every time you go through,
1: you have, like, different abilities.
2: Yeah, and different weapons, too. So it's like almost playing different colors of a magic deck. And each time, you can do it a little differently. There's different strategies you'll take. Um, It's really fun. There's, like, a bunch of worlds to go through. If you love Olympian like lore and all that stuff you meet a ton of familiar characters along the way you're, there's tons of dialogue options they i mean they went deep i can't imagine what the script looks like for this i think they have hundreds and hundreds of pages yeah, there's a lot yeah but it's a it, lot of you fun. make
1: a lot of choices too so as you're going there's like uh skill trees yeah but they're different based on like what gods you're talking to or what weapons you have and things like that and so each time you sort of replay it quote-unquote it doesn't feel like you're replaying it It feels like you know almost new levels yeah you're you're like oh i'm gonna try this skill tree or i'm gonna go in this direction this time Mm -hmm. you know so it's 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 actually fairly difficult, which I like. I don't like games that are super, super easy. So it feels like you have accomplishment when you do stuff. Yeah. It reminds me a little of like Diablo or a Hack and Slash 2, which I yeah, like. Yeah, it has that game.
2: same top down angle. Yeah. Um, and it's also called technically a rogue because every time you complete it or you die, you actually, if you gained any gems or stuff, you actually take that back with yeah. you and you can start powering yourself up. So you actually get better and stronger at the game simultaneously, which is a really fun sort of like progression system.
1: It does make it so that you don't get stuck in any one place for too, too long, it feels like, yeah, which is yeah. good. I haven't played it. Till the very end, so maybe it gets harder later, but like yeah, in the early, early stages, kind it's
2: kind of like it doesn't like get massively hard, and by the time you're at that end area, you feel like you're good enough at the game to do it too, which is a really cool feeling, I think. Alright, so Hades. It's on Switch and what else? Switch and you can get it on PC, I believe on Steam. Same. And Epic Games, I think, has it as well.
1: Yeah, very fun. I, it's also a game that you can play in short increments, which yeah, is ideal for my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never have you know four hours to sit down and play it. Yeah, you're spending the rest of your time figuring out how to pronounce these names. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team which is Craig Blanchett, Manson Lung, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Alfred Stocktra, Patrick Nan, Sam Waldo, Arthur Meadowcroft, and Jordan Pridgen.
2: Ah, oh, they're all so great. And big Thanks as always to Jeffrey Palmer. He does the Living Card Animations that start our show. Sometimes live behind us on set. You can find them on Twitter at LivingCardsMDG.
1: All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned. We got Game Nights coming up and we also have our set review, which don't forget, we're going to be announcing the Game Nights (gasps) audition winners for Patreon and Kickstarter. Yeah, you're going to want to check that out. Even if you didn't enter, you're going to want to see what the audition looked like from those who did win, right? So that you can win next
2: time. Ooh, that's smart. Yeah. It's like gaming the system. Speaking of next time, we'll see you next time. Bye- bye. Peace.